And we welcome you to this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, UCF Rewind. I'm Eric Lopez, and on this edition, we'll look back to the 2015 UCF Softball Conference Champions season, where the Knights won the American Conference Regular Season Championship and, of course, won the Conference Tournament Championship at home on May 9th, 2015. So it's the five-year anniversary and we're going to be joined in a little bit by two of the main players on that team. The shake and bake combo. Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turnier, the 1-2 punch, 1A, 1B, you would call it the two aces on the pitching staff for the UCF staff that year that was number one in the country in ERA and, of course, led by number one and number two in ERA that year in the nation. Shelby Turnier and Mackenzie Otis, they will join us, and as I'll talk to them as we reflect on their careers and that season. You'll also hear clips from the 2015 season, of course, with uh, great vi uh, audio footage from pro some interviews, from pre-games and post-games, and even some highlights from the 2015 season, a magical season for the Knights. That's all coming up on this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret UCF Rewind. You can check us out at UCF underscore Banneret. Like us on Facebook. And check out our series of UCF Rewind podcast uh, episodes that we've done in the past, including my interview with Adam Amin, who called the UCF-USF game for ABC back in 2017, the War and I-4 uh, classic. Uh, we've also done, me and Brian Murphy did a classic uh, look back at the UCF-Duke men's basketball game, that and much more. But uh, that's all on the UCF underscore banner. And, of course, you can check out blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the latest in UCF athletics, including my current projects, including the top 100 male UCF athletes and coming out soon, the top 50 UCF female athletes, which uh, my two guests will be a part of that, I have a feeling. But before we get to them, let us let me kind of give you an idea of what to set the stage here for the 2015 season for UCF because really you got to go back to 2012 to beginning and the building blocks for this team. Of course, UCF uh, in 2018, 11 was coming off a down year, won 22 and 32, finished sixth in Conference USA, was eliminated early uh, in the second in the second round. Actually, it was in the semis of this USA tournament. Uh, and at that point, you wondered where the program was at. Well, starting with the 2012 class, and we get into this in the interview, make a the great freshman class led by Mackenzie Otis. Ferris Sullivan, who is a star third, would turn out to be a great third baseman for us, started for four years. Kaylee Novak, who would be the end up being the stolen base queen, as we'll talk about in the episode, uh, from Claremont. Uh, her dad, of course, many night fans know her. Uh, her dad is Tommy Novak, who, of course, played for Jay Bergman in UCF baseball uh, in, the, in a couple decades earlier, in the 80s, there was a pitcher. But Kaylee came in would be our starting second baseman. You had Maddie Schroeder, who from Jacksonville, who would be our end up being our starting center fielder this year in 2015 uh, as well. So it was part of the Fab Four of the freshman class that helped turn the team around. They would go 39-19 and 19 in 2012 and make the NCAA tournament. McKenzie would go on to win the CUSA Pitcher of the Year uh, as well as Freshman of the Year. And then in 2013, UCF brought another class – that was highlighted by freshman Shelby Turnier. And, of course, she came from Palm Beach Gardens. Arguably the most decorated recruit in UCF softball history. Was a two-time state champion uh, in high school at Palm Beach Gardens down in that great program down there uh, for softball. But she wasn't alone in her class. You had a Samantha McClowski, 
who, of course, would play a big role in winning the tournament championship against Tulsa. She was part of that class as well, uh, highlighting a strong class there. And, of course, then even in 2014, UCF had a great class there where it included Brittany Solis coming over from California as well as Linnea Goodman. Goodman would be our starting left fielder. Solis would be the starting shortstop. In fact, Soli would be a four-year starter at short. Linnea would start in the outfield in the corner in left field for the four years. They were part of that class as well as a couple of significant transfers in Jessica Yavari who came and Jamie Yavari, the twins, the Yavari twins coming over from USC Upstate and really paid dividends for UCF in 2014. Yavari was a starter slash closer on 20, in the 2014 team. Jessica Yavari, after kind of really worked her way into the lineup as a DP and would be our cleanup hitter, would end and have a, a great career. UCF in 2014 would go 43-18, and 18, winning the American Conference regular season championship, uh, which was the first year for UCF in the American, leaving Conference USA after 2013. And the Knights would win their first regular season championship in program history at that time. They would go on to Gainesville in the regionals, where they would go on to play Florida end up losing to Florida in the regional final in a dramatic regional where UCF lost the opening day to Stetson, getting them to the loser's bracket as McKenzie and Shelby. We'll get into all that regional. They would come back, beat Florida A&M, beat uh, Stetson in a classic game where Mar Mariah Garcia makes an incredible catch near the warning track with Jamie Yovari saves the game for Shelby Turnier. UCF wins it to advance to the regional final before dropping to Florida. Florida would go on to win the national title in 2014. It was a loaded Gator team that included Lauren Hager, Aubrey Monroe, and Kelsey Stewart, who are both uh, Stewart and Monroe are in the current U.S. Olympic team. Uh, but that kind of set the stage for 2015, though, because UCF had no seniors on that team. Uh, so they basically returned just about everybody on that roster. As I mentioned, you had Linnea Goodman now in 2015 entering her sophomore year. She would be the starting at left field. You had Maddie Schroeder who would be the starter at center field in her senior year. They had a new acquisition for the 2015 season, Willow Callanan. Willow came into coming over from New Mexico, would win the job at right field, and is arguably would go on to be arguably the greatest defensive right fielder in program history. And as we'll talk about later in the podcast, make one of the great catches uh, in program history at right field. So she would get joined the team. It was her, Courtney Roten, and Megan Greenwell. Megan Greenwell was a freshman out of Miami, would end up being a pinch runner on this team and a weapon out of the bench. Courtney Roten was a, a weapon off the bench and would spot start offensively. She came over from Claremont, played at Eastridge, the same high school where Kaylee Novak had played, as well as Kirsten Foster, who was part of this team as well, the Eastridge uh, combo there. So, so you had Schroeder at center, Willow Callanan at right, and you had Linnea Goodman at left. You had Ferris Sullivan, who won the American Conference Player of the Year in 2014. Uh, to put that in perspective, no UCF player had won a Player of the Year award in the conference since Stephanie Best did it in 2005 in the A-Sun. And Sullivan was back at third base to start. We had Solis, the freshman, or at this point was entering her sophomore year after having a great freshman year. Starting at short, you had Novak, the senior, at second base. And then you had... K.K. Sanal, who was a Tampa kid, 
would be in her junior year, would have a breakout year, as we'll talk about later in the podcast. She would be at first base with Samantha McClowski catching. Now, they'd say they would sometimes rotate first base and catching, but Samantha would catch uh, a ton of the games uh, that year. Then that was a team that had Andrea Nezwa-Cheney, who was a pinch runner on that web, on the bench, as well as Taylor Wagner was on that team. She was a, a junior that year. You had Jasmine Acevedo, who uh, had, was, had limited action there, but uh, was part of that team. Blair Kelly, who was a senior, also had limited action, but off the bench. And Kristen Foster, as I mentioned, Megan Greenwell, uh, stealing, uh, stealing stolen bases. And then you had Jamie Uvari, who was on the pitching staff, and Mackenzie Hoon, Noodle, to complete the staff uh, for UCF. But obviously, a ton of the focus uh, nationally would be on Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turnier. Mackenzie entering her senior year and Shelby entering her junior year. And they would have historic seasons, two of the greatest seasons uh, that any UCF athletes ever had. They made national headlines. Graham Hayes of ESPN.com uh, wrote about them uh, and their seasons they were going on, and they would catch on fire. The Orlando Sentinel was writing about them. In fact, I remember prior to the conference tournament, the American Conference Army, they both faced one of the writers for the Orlando Seno and struck him out. Um, and what was unique about that year, UCF had every all these players back, basically, and was going to host the American Conference Championship. And that was going to be a motivation for this group because the year before in the American Conference Championship in Houston, UCF lost a heartbreaker to Louisville uh, in the title game by, by a run. So this team was motivated to not just go back-to-back -back in the regular season and win that title, but win the American Conference Tournament title, especially hosting. And, uh, boy, they would set off to a tremendous season, as we'll talk about with McKenzie and Shelby. The coaching staff that year, of course, Renee Lourdes Gillespie was the head coach. Uh, the assistants, you had Hillary Barrow, who was a former player, was part of the UCF 2008 Conference USA Championship team, four-year starter, play was also part of the 2010 NCAA tournament team. She joined the coaching staff in 2013. Uh, and then you had Tiffany at the time, Patterson, now known as Coach Tiffany Jordan, who's currently on the UCF staff. That was her first year, as Shelby and McKenzie will talk about as well in the interview. She took over for Ruben Felix, who at that time moved on to be a part of the staff at Old Miss. And then you had Jeff Conrad, who was a volunteer coach and had come over, I believe, from the Tampa Mustangs at that time. And he was a volunteer coach helping out as well. And really, it was grew up in the sport of softball as he his sister was one of the great pitchers of all time uh, in college softball, playing at Michigan and Tracy Conrad. So uh, good softball pedigree. So that was the coaching staff leading into the 2015 season. High expectations. They were the preseason favorite to win the regular season title. But high expectations with just about everybody coming back for the most part, adding a Courtney Roden, adding a Megan Greenwell and a Willow Kalanen, three newcomers to that nucleus. Uh, really a lot of fun, and they would have a historic uh, record-breaking year as UCF would go on, uh, as we'll talk about in the episode, with 50 wins and all that. Now, you're going to hear the interview when we come back. Uh, you're going to hear from uh, – we're going to be joined by Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turner. We're going to talk about the journey of the Shake and Bake era, if you will. That was their nickname, Shake and Bake, and they'll explain in the interview why, they, who came up with the nickname, how that all come about. But kind of the building block into that special year, their great journey to UCF and that season. And you're going to hear throughout that episode the interview, but also some flashbacks to highlights from the 2015 season as well as some of the uh, audio kind of interviews – 
with some of the players and coaches from 2015 and some of the sound bites from from press conferences uh, and post game uh, things that I did a lot of post games that year. And so you hear some some of them, and you pretty much hear from a lot of people. You'll hear from Ferris Sullivan. You'll hear from Willow Callanan. You'll hear from Haley Novak. Uh, you're going to hear from Brittany Solis during this deal. You're going to hear from the coaches. Uh, so you're going to hear from a lot of variety of voices as flashbacks while we talk with Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turnier. That's all coming up next. You're listening to the special edition of the Black and Gold Bannerhead podcast, UCF Rewind, as we look back on the UCF 2015 softball season. And joining us now, they are, of course, we're known as Shake and Bake. They were the one-two punch, or heck, one and one A. Uh, in 2015, a part of the UCF team that won the American Conference regular season championship, tournament championship, 50 wins on the season, finished in the top 16 in the country. They finished 1-2 in the country in ERA, helping UCF lead the nation in ERA. I speak of Shelby Turnier and Mackenzie Otis, who of course, is married now. is Mackenzie Packerel, but just for these podcast purposes, she's back to Mackenzie Otis. Shake and Bake <laughs> reunion here, ladies. Welcome back. Thank Hi you. you. Thank you. All right, <laughs> Happy let's start. Yeah, this is great. Five year anniversary. Uh, let's first start and tell the people what you've both been up to because I know you're both now still hanging around the sport of softball, helping out uh, off the field. I want to start with you, Matt, because I know you're about to start a new adventure here. Yeah, um, I've been doing kind of like dabbling in pitching lessons. I got my degree in education, and so I've been doing that and then on the side doing some lessons so staying in the softball world but I'm um a new mom now and I want to be able to stay at home and kind of make some more hours so I'm going to try and go full-time with pitching lessons so I just started up a business and once this whole stay at home order is gone I'm hoping to you know make it a make it a real thing now, Shelby, you've been also involved in your own business as well when it comes to the involving softball courts. You played in the NPF, uh, the Pro League, for a few years, won an NPF championship in 2016 with the Chicago Bandits. Of course, you've been out there in the Midwest, but now you're kind of doing your own business as well. Yeah, so um, my one of my teammates from the Bandits, um, her and I started a business together of doing softball lessons, camps, clinics, team practices, and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing that in the Chicagoland area, and we've been doing it for full-time for a little, oh, actually, right about a year um, in July will be one full year that we've done this full-time. Um and so, yeah, we're loving it. Um, it's a little difficult right now with the whole stay-at-home order. So we've moved to fully um, virtual lessons. Um, so that has been a little bit challenging, but um, we're just trying to make it work. And once this is over, we can pick back up again. Yeah, I think we're all hoping for that and for both of you as well. And that's awesome. You're both still involved and going to give lessons out there. So I think that's exciting uh, for everybody there, uh, where can they find more information on that? Let's start with you, Shelby. Where can they find information if they're interested? Um, they can go to deltaperformancesoftball.com. Um, they can follow myself or Sammy Marshall on Instagram. Um, all of our social media is Delta Performance Softball. Um, yeah pretty much through social media or they can go online and all of our information, our contact information will be on there. 
Mac, what about you? Because I know you've started like an Instagram page about it as well and things like that. Yeah, I'm still in the very beginning stages. So I'm, um, I have an email. I'm working on a website. It's Pitching with Purpose is the name, but they can also find it on my regular Kenzie Packerel um, Instagram. So I'm a little bit more in the early stages than Shelby. I lo- hey, that's okay. You got time. We got. We all have time right now uh, to to make yeah. that work. Yeah, there, for uh, sure. you know, that, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> so, uh, but that's exciting. Exactly. For, uh, that'll be a lot of fun for uh, both of you. Let, let's get into obviously the two of you in here in the 2015 season. But I kind of feel like the 2015. We can't talk about 2015 without going back. Uh, really, as far back as 2012. And I'm going to start with you, Matt, because that was your freshman year. You came in alongside Ferris Sullivan, who was third baseman, obviously, Kaylee Novak, second base, and Maddie Schroeder, the outfielder. The four of you, kind of the fab four, if you will, came in together uh, and played in 2012 and helped turn around the UCF program. I mean, they were coming off a very down year in 2011 in Conference USA, uh, finished sixth in the league, under 500 overall, and it was really a rebuilding year. And, you know, I'll never forget, I was with Coach Gillespie in a – uh, in the airport in Greenville, East uh, Carolina, after we were eliminated in the Conference USA tournament. And I'm like, so how is, how is this going to get better next year? I'm thinking myself in there, and I'm just asking her. I'm like, well, we got this pitcher named McKenzie. She's going to fix things. Buzz, of course, the players talking to the players. Mackenzie Otis, freshman. Uh, a lot of ex- excitement over her. You got some nice mixture. A lot of uh, potential in this pitching staff uh, that people are very excited about, even though they're young. We do. Mackenzie's coming in with a great experience out of Plant City. Um, she, she reminds you, you talked a little bit of her, remind you of uh, Allison Kime. You know, she, she went to Casey Clark as a pitching coach, and, and they had the same technique and the, and the same determination when they were on the mound. And uh, we're really looking for great things out of her on, on a lot of wins this year. And I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, right. Well, it turned out she was right. You did fix it, but also <laughs> Farrah, Kaylee, help. Uh, just tell me about your, your year. You were the uh, CUSA Pitcher of the Year, first ever UCF pitcher to win Pitcher of the Year at the time. You were also freshman of the year, and then you, and Kaylee, Farrah, and, and Maddie really kind of brought that culture, and we got back to the NCAA tournament with a great tournament. Just take me through that process as you all came into campus and helped turn it, uh, the program back to winning. Um, well, goodness, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I can't believe how long ago that was and that it's the five-year anniversary. But anyways, um, gosh, well, I mean, it was just crazy as a freshman coming in, just going back to the very beginning, it was you know, nerve wracking and you had a lot of seniors, you know, you can't forget that season with Natalie Land and Vanessa and, um, you know, they were huge and it was nerve wracking to be around them as a freshman, but um, they were awesome. And then, you know, Kaylee, Maddie and Sarah, we just all really clicked well. And I think that showed on the field how we clicked as just the whole team that year. And, um, you know, I, feel like I did have a good year and that was really awesome but it definitely wouldn't have been the year that it was without all of them um and really the main thing that I remember is just that Florida win was really cool and I think after that win too we kind of realized as a team that hey we can we can really do this this is something that you know there's really no limitation to what we can do as a team this year this is ripped, and that is fair. That is going to score land, and the ball rolls all the way to the wall. Here comes Perez, and UCF leads 2-0. And that is why Sullivan has been swinging away. When you see her production with RBIs this season, 
it continues as she rips this inside pitch. Keep her ahead right on it. And with the speed on the bases, you've got Landon Perez just scoring nice two-run RBI stand-up double. First the full count. Swing and a miss. Strikeout number 11. And again, coming right with the rise ball, coming by the eyes, and look at that cut. What a great pitch by Otis. She is in the zone. In the zone. Well, over to first, and the play is made. UCF takes down the third-ranked Florida Gators by a 2-0 count. What a big win for the Knights. Are you kidding me? You can see, oh my gosh, the jubilation, the excitement of the Knights. And still look at McKenzie. What a superstar. This freshman, the future looks so bright for the Knights. Yeah, that was kind of your coming out party. You shut out the Gators. Uh, what was it, a one or two hitter you threw? Uh, the game was televised statewide. It was on Bright House Sports Network, which is now known as Spectrum. And that's relevant because among the people that watched you pitch that game would turn out to be your future husband. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he uh, he saw me, and um, I guess he liked what he saw because he asked me <laughs> that he knew about me. <laughs> and lo and behold, we uh, first I turned him down because he was a baseball player, and I was like, no, about baseball players, but he was one of the good ones. So, anyways... <laughs> Very good. What a praise for the husband there. Yeah, yeah it worked out. It worked out there. Uh, that, that's pretty good. Uh, sorry, Preston. You know, that's the that's your cue. That's your, uh, you know, kind of a shout out for the episode. Uh, now, Shelby, you came in a year later. You were part of the 2013 class and you came with a lot of hoopla. I mean, I remember uh, people that didn't follow softball that lived down in South Florida were hitting me up because they knew I broadcasted softball. It's like, man, you're going to. You're going to love this Shelby girl. She's unbelievable. You know, you had won state championships in Palm Beach Gardens. And I remember there was a writer at the time down there, Jeff Greer, who ended up doing that, you know, stuff for Louisville and covering Louisville Athletics. And he did stories mm -hmm. on you. And so there was a lot of hoopla with you. Just tell me what it was like for you when you arrived at UCF. Because uh, there was a lot of excitement there. Like, wow, this young freshman that Pete paired up with uh, McKenzie was coming off her year. Now, last year, a year ago, we were talking about a freshman pitcher in McKenzie and how good she would be this year. Another freshman pitcher coming in, and Shelby Turnier out of Palm Beach Gardens, won state titles, pitcher of the year in the state, a tremendous uh, player and can hit and can pitch. She can. We, she's very versatile. She, she's definitely looking at her number two spot right now, um, coming out with a lot of confidence. She, she knows what to expect. She was watching McKenzie last year and, and following us all last year, so she knows what, what is uh, going to be in front of her. Um, she, she has such a versatile um, means to her. She has a strong arm, overhand and underhand. We're looking at her playing some outfield for us. And like you said, with hitting, she, she's just going to be able to find a spot in that lineup. Now what kind of – I mean, she um, could do it all. You mentioned could play defense in the outfield, could hit a little bit. I mean, I saw in the fall. I mean, she could be a, maybe even a middle of the lineup, if not maybe in the 5-6 hole. But, I mean, she Definitely. can do it all. What – I mean, describe her type of game. I mean, she's as top of an athlete as she's been. She is. I mean, you look at the last um, pitcher that we had that was that way was Allison Kime. I mean, she was very versatile. She always wanted to play shortstop. Of course, we didn't always let her play shortstop. <laughs> but um, she, she's that kind of player. She, she's a competitor. She knows how to get out there and, and play, and she wants to be in that lineup. So she's doing everything she can to, 
to get her get her in that spot whether she's pitching or whether she's playing out for it. And they can feed off each other. They're both very competitive very and, and they're so. both very helpful. They've, they've both have said great things about each other, but yet they, I think they both can bring out the best of the other one, couldn't they? They can. They work really well together. In the bullpen, they're they're always talking and working with each other, trying to trying to push each other, make each other better. Yeah, um, I think there was a lot of um, a lot of expectations um, from people, you know, in the area and and stuff like that. But I don't really think that I became the pitcher that I guess I'm quote unquote known as um, until I went through that freshman year um, at UCF, and I think I came in and. I thought that I was as good as I was going to get, you know, coming out of high school. I thought like that was my peak. And um, I can confidently say, I feel like each year I got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, even throughout like my pro career and stuff like that. Um, And so I think I still had, you know, a ton of learning to do. And, and um, I cut it back to a lot of that um, watching her in the bullpen and, we had a lot of time together um, that first year when I came in and I don't think if I had, you know, a pitcher like her in the bullpen with me and even like Mackenzie Hune and, um, you know, other pitchers that were, that were, you know, with us in the bullpen um, during that year, I don't think I would have realized how much better I could still get. Um, and ultimately, you know, make our pitching staff better and our team better and, and all of that stuff. So I think there was a lot of like expectations um, of how good I was supposed to be when I came in, but there was so much more I still had to learn and so much better that I needed to get in order to help us get the outcomes that we were looking for. This one uh, for both of you, what do you remember when you first met each other? Like, what, what what was that like? Do you remember exactly when it was? Because uh, I've heard various uh, uh, theories on this story. But, like, Shelby, you could start with that one, and then, Mac, you could follow up on that. When do you, what do you remember when you first met okay. each other? I actually do remember when we first, very, very first met each other. We were, it, we were walking from the softball field over to, like, the football tailgating area or, like, the football game. Um, and I think Mackenzie, one of us asked each other what position we played. And for me, I had always been told that like, I was small for a pitcher. Um, I didn't really think anything of it because I mean, I guess I was just, I was just out there playing and pitching. I didn't really think of like size as being like a factor. Um, and so I think Mackenzie was like, yeah, I'm a pitcher. And that was like the first time that we had talked. And, um, and I was like, oh, well, she's the same size as me. Or like, we're the same size as each other. Like, I don't know why people are making such a big deal out of this. Like, <laughs> and not actually, I don't know why the size thing was always like a point, like a topic that got yeah. brought up. I don't know why, but. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if you feel the same way, Mackenzie, but I just, yeah. always, I never thought that it was like a, like a thing. Like I was just like, it was just us. We were just smaller, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, just knowing, you know, some of the other pitchers out there that are 5'10 or 6 feet or something, I guess that's kind of what we grew up with too. That's why Taryn Mowat, for example, was one of my favorite pitchers growing up because she was like, five five I think 
mm-hmm. and then the rest of the pictures were so much bigger. But yeah, I always honestly kind of took pride in our size and that we were both smaller mm-hmm. in a sense because you know it made it made me feel like one that um, other girls could look up to us and and say like, hey, I can do this too if I just actually try and you know have dedication to it. There's size doesn't necessarily matter. It's more the work and the knowledge of the game and stuff like that. But yeah, I remember that too. And then of course, I feel like we both have those, what you call RBF. (laughs) I remember remember that as well. (laughs) I remember thinking, I don't, is she going to be nice? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So that's the other thing I know. I remember about um, us meeting, but obviously we clicked and, we both had those faces that helped us on the mound. So I can't be too mad about it. They really did. And, you know, because you're both have both mentioned before, you're both different, right? Your personalities are a little different in the standpoint. Uh, you know, I think, Mackenzie, you're a little more more to yourself. You're more quieter. Shelby, you tend to kind of let your emotions out more, but you're different in some ways. But yet at the same time, I feel like you have some similar comp- – you're both super competitive – and I would imagine pushed each other. Tell me about that. Like, cause uh, you know, you pushed each other to high levels as we'll talk about in 2015 that, you know, incredible, super high levels. And I would imagine you both helped each other out. And at the same time, you're both so competitive that you're like, well, I'm going to make sure she knows that I'm just as good at things because I thought you kind of fed each uh, off each other, not only during games, but even maybe off the field and practice and things. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Like Shelby said earlier, um, especially when she came in, I was honestly relieved because, you know, freshman year, I enjoyed um, our teammates and um, the pitching staff. But, I mean, it's no secret really, especially probably because I spent more time with Shelby and um, Noodle or Mackenzie Hewn that we just kind of really bonded and we pushed each other and I remember so many different times where we'd be in the bullpen and I would be asking, you know, Shelby or um, Mackenzie to just like check out what's going on. Cause I was like, I can't figure out what's wrong. Can you watch this? And then vice versa. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that too, Shelby, but yeah, just, we spent a lot of, we, I actually really enjoyed this part of about being a part of the UCF pitching staff is that um coach gillespie really like kind of let us have free reign in the bullpen like she she would be in there with us and she we would have you know an outline of what we were supposed to do but a lot Mm -hmm. of the times she kind of she kind of stepped back and just we kind of coached each other in a way yeah Um, which in turn helped us um get better also with like the knowledge of the game yes it's just going to make you a better pitcher and then obviously it helps us I feel like that time really helped me learn how to coach kids now too exactly really grateful for Mm -hmm. I agree 100% with that I think if we were over coached we wouldn't um have gotten the knowledge that we really needed in order to be successful on our own yeah and just successful, yeah, like in the games when it's high-pressure situation and, oh, crap, this pitch isn't working, but that's okay because I, you know, I'm confident in my ability and my knowledge to know what to do to get through it, whether it's mm-hmm. fixing the pitch, um, you know, the next, just that next pitch or moving on and reading the hitter and 
finding a new pitch to throw to them, but still, you know, get them out. You both also, it was fascinating because you talked about your work together and, and Levy, but yeah, I remember I, it might have been either in 13, probably at some point during 13 or 14, Mac. You, I remember you told me, hey, can Shelby join me on interviews? Because we had, used to do, do post-game interviews or interviews leading up to a tournament of preview stuff, and I would chip in and help out in interviews. I remember one time you're like, can, can Shelby join me on this one? Because you two enjoyed, wanted to do interviews together, and, and it was almost like a competitive thing because I felt like while you guys were answering questions, you were trying to figure out a way how to make sure the other one would laugh and break their laughter there. So uh, you, you two really kind of really enjoyed each other's company in that regard, like to the point where you're doing interviews and, and breaking down laughter. Do you remember that? Because I remember that was uh, – I remember some people at the media relations at UCF are like, all right, can, can you can you not, not have them both interview? Because they kind of try to – they're trying to break each other laughter a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we – I don't think it was a secret that we had fun and, you know, we we clicked really well, which if, if it had been the other case, to where like I mean there's not really many people I can't stand but if for some reason I couldn't stand Shelby I don't think we would have had you know the same type of success that we would have had because yeah we would have been able to you know be separately good pitchers but I feel like like I said with us working together at practice and just having fun together we were able to you know become that one and two and lead the area in the country and all that stuff. So I feel like, and I might, and I don't want to speak for Mac, but I feel like part of the reason why we were really successful is because I think that both of us, I don't think that either one of us wanted to be the one. Like I, I, I feel like we always approached every game like it was the two of us, the three of us, the four of us, however many pitchers were part of our staff that year. Yeah, and no, completely. I 100% don't think either of us would have been as successful had we not had every single person bought into that same like concept of we were one unit. It was never like just one of us was going to, you know, go into the game al- like alone and we yeah. had to throw this perfect game and this and that. If for whatever reason one of us was off, the other one was always right there or a, a third person was there or a fourth person or whatever it is because I feel like we just spent so much time together in the bullpen that my success was her success and her success was Mackenzie's success. I'm talking about Mackenzie Hewn and Mackenzie Hewn's was Jamie's and Jamie's yes. was mine and it was just it was always one unit. It was never one person. Now I agree with that. My favorite, um, my one of my favorite memories, and um, is when, gosh, I forget who we played against, but when Noodle and I mm-hmm. did the um, the no hitter together. Iona, mm-hmm. that was Iona. I think it was twenty fourteen. Okay, yeah. I believe, yeah. Yeah. So it's just you know piggybacking off of what Shelby said. I mean, to me that the coolest memory because I had other no hitters but that one was the best one because she came in and she finished it and she still got a no hitter with me Mm -hmm. so it was just I agree always about the team (coughs) excuse me I remember that no hitter. It was pretty. Noodle did a heck of a job making that dramatic in that uh, last inning. There, there were some walks and airs in that inning where everybody's holding their breath. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure someone even was like, 
oh, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember. Someone was like, oh no, why did they take you out? You had a no hitter going. Yeah, that and was I your that... that person, and I gave them the biggest death glare ever because that's what it is in softball and baseball that you don't you don't speak those words out loud. <laughs> no, and I was like, what the heck are you thinking right now? <laughs> You've got it. Be quiet. So. Did that include your mom there? Because I think your mom was kind of like freaking out at that point, like during that inning. I remember that. Like she may, she may or may not have reached out to me during that inning, like very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> My parents were definitely those parents. <laughs> yeah, I okay, love you, mom so and dad. So <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Your parents were both of your parents were fascinating. I mean, Shelby, your I think your dad uh, still holds the record for pacing. In the softball field, I think he's pretty much no. I mean, he he's probably one of the reasons why that right bleacher was created, just so if people wanted to walk towards the outfield, they can. And I think uh, yeah, was there. I remember uh, that too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, our parents, our dads, actually spent most of the time together. Oh yeah, they sure. like would seek each other out and you know do the whole pacing thing together and talk the game and everything. So they they needed each other. Yes, 100%. I mean, I remember Preston, my husband, talking about how my dad would be like, oh, why did you throw that pitch? Like, talking about me or just, you know, little comments that were so, just such a parent move, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I'm sure eventually I will do, too. Yes, yes, you will. (laughs) That'll be a good flashback. All right, so like 2014, we have a big year. It's a breakout year for you, Shelby. At that point, you go, you know, you had a great year. Uh, so did you, Mac, and, and you, you, we win 43 games. We win the regular season championship. We get to a regional final in Gainesville. And I kind of think back, though, to that Stetson game. In that an opening game of that tournament was a gut-wrenching loss where Stetson, which was a great team, uh, maybe their best they've ever had with Meredith Owen and company, uh, they came back and beat us in, a, in, a, in late in the game. And I remember that bus ride back, and it was a very emotional bus ride. Like there was a lot of frustration, anger, like emotion, but I felt it was a big turning point and really the start of the, I would argue the start of the 2015 season because I felt all of you as a team got even closer at that point because you faced some adversity and you dealt with it. And, and I think the leadership spoke up in that, as I remember. And I remember everybody kind of figured it out because we had to celebrate Shelby's birthday when we got to the hotel. So we had to figure it out quickly <laughs> to get along. I remember. <laughs> but tell me about that moment because I felt that was a moment where every, all of you bonded there. And then the next day, Mackenzie, you kind of led the way, beating Florida A&M in the elimination game. Farah had a big game there. Then, Shelby, you got the Stetson game, uh, and we beat them to get to the regional final. But I thought that was a big point that really kind of, hey, either this team is going to go separate or they're going to bond either closer, and you were closer. And I thought that was really the beginning of the 2015 season. Am I right on that? Well, I think, if I remember correctly, that was the year that we didn't have any seniors, correct? Right, yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I feel like that was kind of a moment where we were like, we didn't, you know, when you're going through times like that, sometimes a lot of times you look to your seniors for, like, their reaction and, like, are they defeated or are they, you know, ready to get revenge or, you know, whatever the case is. And so I feel like we didn't have, like, a senior to look at. So we all just kind of, like, looked at each other. And we were like, okay, like, we got to make a decision. Like, are we coming back with a vengeance? Or are we going to lay down and just kind of let the season end and recoup, you know, next year when we have, like, the same group of people? And 
I feel like because we didn't have seniors that year, we all kind of stepped up and filled that kind of void of, you know, not, not necessarily having that senior to look at. We had, you know, juniors and sophomores and even freshmen that had to step up and, and, you know, be that quote unquote example of what we want to, you know, do that year. And so, um, I feel like that was definitely a turning point as far as like we had to make a decision right then and there as to whether we were going to um, just kind of lay down or whether we were going to put up a fight and get better and see the the long-term picture of how, you know, even playing these games could affect us in the future, the next year, the 2015 season, 2016, and so on. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you pretty much said everything I was thinking about that and just how I think since we didn't have seniors too, like you were talking about ELO, it did kind of start a turning point in the sense of um, how Shubley was saying we had to look to each other. And even though, you know, I was going to be a senior the next year, so technically they did have seniors to look at with me and Sarah and Kaylee and Maddie. Um, it just still, we all worked together and um, even though we were the seniors that next year, it, I don't know. I didn't really feel like I felt like a leader, but I felt like we were all mm -hmm. leaders, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just like, oh, these are the seniors. These are the leaders. No, it was everyone was together. And that's, that's why I feel like that probably was a big turning point because then in 2015, we all realized, you know, it's, it's all of us, not just like looking to one person as a leader. We need to look within ourselves as cheesy as it sounds, but also to each other. I don't know if that yeah, no. makes sense the way I explained it. No, it really does. And I really do think that was a big turning point. Without that, I don't know if we have that year in 2015 that we ended up having because you had to go through that and you kind of had to figure that stuff out. And, you know, we got to the regional final, lost to the eventual national champions in Florida. But I can kind of see that momentum carry over to the fall ball and then even right to the start of the season. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're playing this clip here of Coach Gillespie from 2015 prior to the start of the season, Ferris Sullivan and Willow Kellen, and talk about how the high expectations. Absolutely expect a lot out of this squad. Um, I felt like having the leadership, the senior leadership that we had with, with Kaylee and Farrah and Maddie, uh, Mac on the mound, and having their junior leadership coming back this year uh, was a real plus for us. We felt like we had, a, we had a great opportunity to do great things this year. I think a lot of the success this year is um, experience-based. Like, the most of the girls that are out there have been playing for, like me, this is my fourth year playing, and you have Mackenzie and Shelby who have, this is their third and fourth year playing. So I think it's mainly experience of playing together. I think we definitely felt like we, it was a special team in the fall. Um, obviously, I was new to the program, and so the caliber of this team took me back for a second, but everybody's competing with each other every single practice, every single game, and they put the best sign on the field, and obviously it's working for how successful we have been this year. And, and you guys got off to a fast start opening weekend. You Three shutouts. You, Mac, you throw your fourth career no-hitter against George Mason on the first game of the year. Shelby, you followed that up with a two-hitter. I don't know what was wrong with you that day. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we give up one probably run. Your, probably your toe. <laughs> yeah, toe was always a problem. Finger was always <laughs> bleeding all over the ball. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, one we, of those. <laughs> we heard about that. But three shutouts that weekend only gave up one run. I remember McClowski hit that big home run. It hit the palm trees in left field to finish the walk-off against George Mason as we swept them in Boston College. And McClowski's going to send everybody home. See ya! Two-run shot off the palm trees. And the Knights win it 10-1 to and end the weekend with an exclamation point on a two-run shot bomb by McClowski. Just take me through that start of the year because you both were lights out right from the get-go. I mean, you, you all were confident, too. There was a swagger right from the get-go. I mean, yeah, I think we did have the confidence because we, again, it kind of goes into, as cheesy as it does sound, just confidence in each other. Um, you know, with working together for this would have been the third year in a row, it's, it's easy to start having confidence, not just in yourself, but there's like that comfortableness that comes with um, playing with the same people for multiple seasons. And so you just, you just start realizing like, Hey, they really do have my back because it's one thing to think it, um, and try and believe it. It's another thing to really know it, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So just, just being able to know like, Hey, if, if, if things go wrong, this game for me, then Shelby's got it. And if things go wrong for Shelby, then I've got it or noodle has it. And just, um, I think that was the reason why we were able to come out and just, really start off strong and not really have to gain momentum like I feel like a lot of teams do have to do or we did in the past too I don't feel like we ever started off super strong we kind of gained momentum as we went on Mm -hmm. that season was different for that reason in my opinion I I can't speak for Shelby yeah I think um I felt like we had really I, I know for myself and you know for Mackenzie I felt like we'd really prepared more than we had um, in the past, I know that I took that summer like super serious. I threw, you know, multiple times a week. I was working out a lot. I felt like I was in the best shape, um, pitching wise and, um, physically and mentally, of course, um, that I had been in the past. Um, and then that kind of took us into the fall. And then, um, you know, when we, when we, throughout that whole year, I felt like we never had an off game. I don't know what it was, but you know how, I mean, every team kind of goes through it. Every pitcher kind of goes through it where they get out there and they just, they're just not themselves that day. I never, I, I don't ever remember having that uh, from any one of our pitchers on staff that year. It was crazy. It was just every single game we were on fire. We were attacking the zone. We were never falling behind in counts. We weren't walking people. We weren't giving up big hits. Just everything was going our way. And I really think it's because of how hard we worked in the off season um, that we, we kind of deserved that. We, we deserved all the success that we were getting because we worked so hard, um, you know, leading up to that. And um, yeah, I think that was a big, big thing for us. I think our defense that year was a huge thing for us. Um, mm-hmm. We had one of the highest um, fielding percentages in the country um, that year. Um, I remember every, any game that we lost that year, I remember it was only by one one run. Um, so I think that speaks 
you know, volumes of our pitching staff, but really our defense too. Um, yeah, coming up sure. with big plays behind us, making, turning hits into outs for us. Um, I mean, I think that was huge. No, I agree. And I also feel like, um, I can't remember honestly if the year before, you know, um, Coach Hillary Barrow, she, she did a really good job too of helping us prepare with each game. I feel like in a different way than previously to where we were more prepared for who we were going to face. Mm-hmm. She was the queen of scouting reports. And <laughs> yes, exactly. We would go through, I remember we would go through like the, uh, the opposing team, the practice uh-huh. before we would go through yeah. every single hitter on the opposing team. Yeah. And, and not really she, something we had previously done. And I think right. that also really helped us just, no, like, okay, when that person came up to bat, we had a little bit more confidence, too. And it wasn't like, oh, I don't know this hitter. I need to, like, really watch them and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. We kind of already had in our minds. We all knew that they had it in them. But to see what they do together, to complement each other, to work with one another is just amazing. For them to not be envious of one another is what makes them so special, too. They're, like, best friends on the field and off the field. And they always are pushing for each other to get better. Also, I remember um, Coach um, Tiffany, who I think they call Coach Jordan now. Um, we called her <laughs> yes, Coach Tiff. When, yes. Yeah. Well, well that's we, right. We it goes either Coach way Tiff. there. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah. I remember when she came in, she um, came in with, like, this super fast pace about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like that really took our team to, like, another level defensively, too, um, because we were – I mean, everything that she did was working super quick, getting everybody to um, work on her pace and not on our own pace. Um, yeah, not like so, a college kid's pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I feel like that really made a difference because when we got into games, it almost felt slow compared to what we had been practicing at and how we had been, um, how our brains had been, um, you know, um, practicing and yeah, and stuff like that and so it just felt like the games were so much easier than practice we have been focusing on our goals of getting to a regional and hosting a regional since i got here and they work so hard i agree you practice hard and and harder than what you anticipate the game to be and it's gonna make the game feel kind of like you said kind of slow it down a little bit and not easier per se, but just like not unattainable when the mm-hmm. harder parts come along in the game or when it's mm-hmm. like late in the game and you start feeling a little bit fatigued. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with that. I think that you're just, everything honestly came together really, really well with the coaching staff and some of the changes that they did and then the team clicking um, and just, you know, our, our maturity level as players, mm-hmm. you know, is different because obviously, like Shelby said in the beginning, I feel like it was the same for me and every player, especially when you get to the collegiate level, no one wants to just plateau and be like, oh, yeah, freshman year was awesome. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> no one wants right. So you just keep growing, and I feel like our whole team did that, and we all pushed each other to be better, and that happened whether it was in conditioning during – you know, stairs, I hated them. Oh, my gosh. Or the stadium. Or, oh. yeah. Um, 
for just, you know, practices, even if we were just, um, if we were done with pitching and we had to go shag balls, we were still, you know, cheering on the, the batters. And Mm -hmm. anyways, I feel like it all, it all just really came together that season. No, it really did, and and one of the biggest turning uh, parts of the season was when you went on that road trip the second week of the season, a midweek at South Carolina, you beat the Gamecocks. Then you come to Claremont, and you beat number 18, then 18th-ranked Missouri, Shelby. You had a no-hitter going into the seventh inning before it was broken up, and then Ferris Sullivan hit a double in the bottom of the seventh, and then Brittany Solis drove her in to beat Missouri one nothing. Mac, then you beat Arkansas in Claremont, and then we beat Minnesota, who is ranked, uh, with a pitcher named Sarah Gronawagen, who's now on the Canadian national team. Uh, Jessica Yavari hit a, a, a home run in that game, and Courtney Roten hit a home run. It's a long ways to go. The 2-2 pitch, swung on and missed. Strike three, turning ends it with a strikeout, and the Knights pick up a win that could prove to rank among the 25 best in the program. Final score, UCF four, and Minnesota nothing. Behind a dominant performance from Shelby Turnier. And that was a turning big, big moment because two days later after that tournament on that Tuesday, as you're all getting ready to head out to Hawaii, you find out that UCF's been ranked for the first time in program history. Take me through that week. And when do you when do you found out that you were all were ranked? Shelby, starting with you. Yeah, I mean, that was a great week for us. Um I think I, I attribute a lot of um, our success that week to timely hitting, which we were not known for <laughs> yeah. at UCF. Um, I agree. I think that it's kind of a trend that um, we always struggled a little bit with, I should say a little bit, a lot of it, with um, hitting. And that week, you know, our defense was working really well. Our pitching was spot on. And we just came through with some really timely hits. And I think that was, you know, the biggest difference for us. And maybe that's what we needed. Maybe our hitters did need a little bit of confidence, you know, going against, like you said, Sarah Grumwagon and, you know, the pitchers at Missouri and Arkansas and South Carolina and all these, these, you know, big name teams. And we were having success. I remember actually when we played um, South Carolina that week, um, we put up, I think, five runs in the first inning. I think Kaylee, I don't know why I remember this, but I think Kaylee let off the game with a triple or something like, something crazy. And we put up five runs in the first inning, and I feel like from there we just, like, never looked back. Um, and yeah. so, you know, being ranked for the first time was, it was amazing. I, I don't really think any of us really knew much about the rankings to begin with because we'd never been ranked. So, um, you know, hearing that we were, you know, in the top 25 and stuff like that, it was, it was a surreal moment for us. Um, and I think we wanted to just keep climbing that ladder and keep climbing that ladder. And I think we finished at 15 that year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely um, top 16. I think, yeah. 15, 16 range. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I remember that just being, like, you know, a super, super cool moment because we had never been ranked before. We had no idea what the rankings were about. We, you know, so, um, and then going into Hawaii, that just kind of boosted our confidence even more. 
Yeah, in fact, in Hawaii, we won the tournament there beating Washington. Mac, you beat Washington there right before we had to take, you get to fly back uh, to win that. And you kept rolling on. I mean, you had that wacky Maryland game uh, home a couple weeks later where you came from behind, win to 8-6 to six in one of the more bizarre games where Matty Schroeder, Mac, who I think was your roommate that year, uh, hit a home she run. She was my roommate every year. Oh, that she was every year. All right. See, I don't know. I remember that. Yeah. She slapped it. She slapped yes. the home run. Uh, it was a very surreal feeling. I really didn't feel it come off the bat, so I must have hit it in the sweet spot. But I was hauling my butt around base because I didn't think it was going to go over. And then when I finally saw it over, it was just an amazing, incredible feeling. You guys went crazy yeah. in the dugout when she that. hit that. Yeah, take me through that. Oh and Maddie, gosh. and she had an incredible year. That was her best year. She had over 300, made all conference. What clicked for Maddie that year? Because uh, she was, you know, she was good, uh, you know, especially especially defensively, but offensively, she took it to a different level that year. Um, I mean, I can't really speak for her, but I just, I think she's always been such a hard worker, like, and just very, very fitness. hard worker. She, I mean, she's still. I, she was in my wedding, and I still keep in touch with her. Um, I even tried to FaceTime her today, and she didn't answer me. So shout out to <laughs> Madeline, <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyways, um. You know, she was also, she always had trouble with her ankles and stuff. And she didn't, that year she was also just, I think, at her healthiest peak wise. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, the other years she just had kind of like thing after thing. She just wasn't lucky with her health, um, with her body. And so everything came together for her that season too, which was awesome because then we were able to see her true potential because it's hard for obviously a, a player to perform at their full potential if they're battling injuries so um that was really cool and just a moment that yeah we all went crazy because it was Maddie and she's known for her speed and her you know slapping and not power hitter and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we just like watched the ball and we're like wait what (laughs) it just kept going and going and went over the fence (laughs) and that was yeah that was pretty awesome I mean, shake and bake. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly it. Uh, they work well together. We have the confidence that we're going to shut anyone down. They work hard, and it shows, and they definitely deserve everything that they're getting this year. Yeah, that was a wild. Brittany Solis wins it on a walk-off home run. Uh, one of the wildest games ever, 8-6. to six. Uh, and, then about, and then we fast forward to March 13th. Uh, historic day. You're, we're playing Monmouth uh, on early in the afternoon, and – the first inning would be a historic one, Mac. We'll start. You break the strikeout record. You break Allison Kimes' record. That will be not the first time we've said that in this episode. But you break the mm-hmm. career strikeout mark. <laughs> and then in the bottom of the first, Kaylee Novak steals second to break Natalie yes. Land's record for most career stolen bases at the time. Just take me through that first inning. I'll start with you, Mac, because then, Shelby, I want your reaction as somebody who was in the dugout at that point and kind of how the players reacted. <laughs> Swing and a miss, strike three, and that's going to do it. Kenzie Otis is the all-time strikeout leader in UCF softball history. Taking off for second, and no chance, and Kaylee Novak is the UCF career leader for stolen bases. It's awesome. Um, I wanted to leave a legacy um, just being a senior here and um, help my team out any way that I can. So stolen bases was the way to go. I'm glad I could do that for my team. When um, Mackenzie and I both had... um, 
records in an amount of five minutes. I didn't realize it at first, but um, after she got her strikeouts, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Now it's my turn. And then um, I couldn't believe I got on base the first at bat and um, being able to steal just to finish the records. Um, it was just so so exciting just um, to be a part of that. that. That's why. I mean, the odds of having two significant records by two different players in the one inning uh, broken on the same day is is, is um, long shots, and here he is on this day, and it happened. Um, yeah, well, actually, to be honest, and this was kind of my MO, I never paid attention to stats. Um, <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> are you saying yes like you didn't either? I'm, I'm saying yes because we never, like, knew what was going on, I feel like. We yeah. just, like, showed up and started playing. We never, like knew how close either of us were to anything until Elo was the one to tell us. I know. Right, that was my job. <laughs> well, yeah. But anyways, so back to that, I think you, I actually don't even remember who told me, but after that inning, I found out that I had broken the record. Like, I had no idea that I was close. I think I, think I still thought I was, like, a little bit away. Like, not that I was just one, you know, batter away. So... That was cool because it was kind of like blindsided on me that I had broken that record. Um, and then to know that, um, I think when Kaylee got on base, I think it was like Hillary or someone um, was saying, all right, she's going to steal because she only needs one more base. And so then the whole dugout was like, oh, my gosh, okay. So yeah. we were like anxiously waiting. And then when she stole and she was safe, we were all like, ah. So um, I did know about that one. Um, But, yeah, that was really cool and really special to share that with Kaylee, who was someone who I had, you know, played four years with. So um, it was just made it that much more special. And a great player in her own right. She got drafted that year in the NPF draft by the charge, uh, was drafted there, which was at the time the record, the highest draft pick by any UCF player until somebody else broke that record a year later. Who was I'm trying to remember? <laughs> Who was that, Shelby? I'm trying to remember now. Um, um, but what what was Kaylee? What did Kaylee mean to y'all as in on the team? Because she set the tone offensively at the top of the order, was aggressive on the base pads, and then great defense on the second base. Shelby, start. What, what did Kaylee mean? Because you got to play against her as well and spent a lot of time with her in the NPF because you both were playing at the same time. Uh, and she moved on to that level as well after you went on to the NPF. So what would did Kaylee mean uh, to to the team? Because I think she kind of gets maybe uh, maybe not a, a underrated. Maybe I think is a great word for it because I think uh, the impact she had was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really feel like she was she was our catalyst, you know, at the beginning of our lineup and um, kind of a sounding board on defense. Um, I think, though, that, you know, she carried a lot of the weight of the team on her shoulders, um, you know, being at the top of the lineup. And, um, you know, she did a great, great job for us. Um, I feel like I don't even remember if there was any time where she wasn't our leadoff hitter. I think maybe once or twice they put Linnea as the one and Kaylee as the two. Um, but yeah, she was I think that she, she really took that job serious. And I knew that she was going to outwork anybody on our team. She was one of the hardest working players that we had. I would say her and Abby were probably two of like the you know, hardest working people and noodle, of course. Um, 
And yeah, I would so, say she, she was a silent leader. She wasn't, like, crazy vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like Shelby said, she was always going to try and outwork everyone and do her best. And just she led by actions, in my yes. opinion, more than – I mean, she, she would obviously hype us up with what she was saying, too. But it was definitely she led by actions and pushed everyone to – to do well as um, as well, and um, but I agree, she didn't get didn't get the spotlight as much as she should have because she was was a great player and, and a, a great part player. of our success. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Uh, we started conference play at East Carolina. The big highlight there, Shelby, is you throw a no hitter on that March twenty second Sunday. Uh, against East Carolina, and you follow that up after you went down to Miami and beat FIU and beat FAU. You play, we host UConn, and Shelby, you throw your second no hitter in a week mm-hmm. on that Saturday. Then, oh by the way, Mac followed it up with a one hitter uh, against UConn. <laughs> uh, but Ch- Shelby, take me through that week. Two no hitters in a week for you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just felt like there was not a game where we had an off like day. On their feet. Neil two. That is hit to center. Schroeder under it. Makes the catch. It's a no-hitter for Shelby Turnier. I don't know what it was about that year. I'm attributing it to the amount of hard work that we put in in the offseason. But, yeah, like I said, there was just – it just seemed like every single time that we stepped foot on the mound, we were on fire that game. And it kept getting better and better and better and better. And I feel like everyone was kind of just, like, sitting there, like, holding their breath, like, oh, when is it going to end? Like, I, I don't know. Like, and it just never did for, I don't know. It just, every single time that we stepped on the mound, we, I mean, I can only remember maybe twice that either of us had to come out of a game. Um, and so, yeah, it just, I couldn't, you know, write a story better than that. I mean, we were just on fire every single game. Yeah. I mean, you always had the intensity too, and you wanted to get better every game and you were, you were never one to give up, which is what you need in a pitcher anyways. And so because you never gave up and you always wanted to do better than your last time, you did get better. And I think that showed because you got you got stronger as the season went on. And I feel like we all got stronger as the season went on, which mm-hmm. in my opinion was also a difference in that season because sometimes we kind of like plateaued in the middle of the season and mm-hmm. or fatigue and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you were able to get your two no hitters because you kept, you just kept going and getting better and you were unstoppable. Were you, were, were you aware, Mac, and I'm curious, and, and the same with you, Shelby, were you aware when you're in the dugout or watching the game that the other one's throwing a no-hitter? Because uh, you both mentioned you didn't really pay attention to what was going on during the game, but we're, I'm curious, when you're watching the other one pitch and they're throwing a no-hitter, are you aware of it? Uh, Mac, were you like, for example, were you aware um, when Shelby was throwing the no-hitters? And then, Shelby, were you aware when Mac was throwing the no-hitters that she was? Yeah, I was completely aware because um... – I guess it kind of goes back to like we were we were tight knit um, pitching squad. We like Noodle would do or Mackenzie Hewn would do the books for, um, when she wasn't pitching, or I would help and stuff. And we just 
I was totally invested into what Shelby was doing. Mm-hmm. And then I remember too, like if I was pitching and I had a, I don't know, a, a inning that wasn't as strong, I remember coming into the dugout and talking it through with Shelby or Noodle or, <clears throat> and then I remember, you know, Shelby sometimes doing the same thing or Noodle doing the same thing. So anyways, to circle back to your question. Yeah, I, I definitely knew because I was invested in the game and in what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Shelby, did you know when Mac was throwing a no-hitter? Because she ended up, as we'll talk in a little bit, the two no-hitters that year. But, like, did, were you aware when she was throwing a no-hitter? Yeah, definitely. And kind of to uh, piggyback off of what Mac was saying, we were so invested in what the other person was doing. And, like I said, her success, I felt like it was my success. And my success was her success. So when she was out on the mound, you know, throwing and – you know, she's going batter after batter after batter and she hasn't given up a hit yet. I mean, that's in my mind too. I'm like, okay, great. We haven't given up a hit yet. It was always like, we, 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 we. So, you know, when she was out there and she was doing stuff like that and, you know, I'm like kind of keeping track in my head. Okay. We haven't, we, okay. We got this girl out last time. We did this, we did that. Um, and so, yeah, I was always fully, fully aware that she had a no hitter going. Um, I would also, always, you know, say like a little prayer in between innings, like, please let her finish this <laughs> yes. game on a high note, please. Um, well, and we were always the first to like come out of the dugout and, you know, greet each other and congratulate each other too. So mm-hmm. that yep. was, you know, just another way of showing that, you know, you're my teammate and your success, like Shelby said, is my success. And it's not just like the Shelby show or the McKenzie show. And that makes Even a though it, difference it, too. You know, it felt like that a lot of times between the press and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and the interviews and all of that stuff felt at times like there was a spotlight being shown on one of us or on us. But it really, truly was an entire team effort. I mean, we don't get those wins without the walk-offs. We don't get yeah. those wins without having one of the highest feeling percentages in the country. And then you top that off with having a really good pitching staff. And that's why we ended up having the success that we did. But I know like, you know, a lot of times it, the, the wins and losses fall, fall on the pitcher's shoulders, but I swear it, you know, up and down, it could not have happened without every single person that we had that year. Yeah, for sure. Cause you can also only hold someone for so long zero runs or to one or two runs and Mm -hmm. you know and vice versa if the team is putting up runs but you have an off day then you know it's a it's a full team effort and it definitely all all clicked really well we we got stronger as pitchers that year but then our hitters didn't let up I mean you can just Mm -hmm. going to the championship game um you know we had great hitting that game and Inevitably, that's why why we were able to win. No, we did. Uh, other highlights, by the way, of course, March 14th, both of you pitched in this game where UCF beat Illinois at Chicago 2-1. to one. That was the program's 500th win at the time, which was obviously Coach Gillespie's 500th win at UCF at the time. So that was a big milestone. Achieving that 500th win for a program is incredible. And for Coach Renee to be leading that charge the entire way is something that doesn't happen in softball. 
And that makes it even more remarkable, is the fact that she's able to do it and do it all with one program, and it's her baby. And it, she takes care of us, and she takes care of the kids, and that says something, and that, that's why uh, she's been able to win that many games, and this program has been as successful as it is. It's amazing, honestly. Um, we wanted that game to be for Coach G. Um, she's such a huge part of our team, and to get it with her was awesome to be a part of that. It's amazing. It's just to be with these group of girls, have Coach G with us, being able to celebrate with her. She's done so much for us, and it's just an amazing feeling. And then the weekend at Tulsa was a wild one, Shelby. You, uh, 16, oh, my gosh. I remember this. <laughs> 16 innings. Game. This is yeah. the first game of a doubleheader. Back then, you played a doubleheader on April 3rd right. and then had to play a single game on the 4th because it was a holiday weekend. So we play a single game. You go 16 innings. In a game where I believe Maddie Schroeder made a catch in the outfield that robbed Tulsa of potentially a game-winning hit, um, and then you're going 16 innings. Just take me through that game because uh, that was just the first game, but you had to uh, really go a long distance there, uh, setting the record there at 16 innings pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a long game. I remember that game very clearly because I just remember being like, please, somebody just score. Like, please, like, I beg you, just somebody score a run. Um, find a way to get on. I don't care if you have to stand on top of the plate, get hit, like, whatever it takes, please. Um, but, yeah, I remember that game very clearly. Um, I just remember that um, they were obviously the home team. So every inning that we went into extra innings, you know, we would we would hit first. We didn't score a run, and then it was like, okay, I gotta hold them for this inning just to get an opportunity the next inning. So every time that we went up to bat, I knew that there was gonna be basically two more innings that I had to pitch in order for us to win the game because we weren't scoring in that inning. Um, so it was just you know inning after inning after inning. I had full full faith that we would come out on top. I remember that they weren't even, like, touching the ball. Um, so that was always really helpful. Um, so I just knew it was a matter of time before one of us got lucky enough to get on base for somebody to score them. Um, but, yeah, I remember that game super clearly. And then I remember we turned around and <laughs> made so many errors the next game. Oh, my gosh. I think it was because we were – just exhausted from being so invested in the first game. Um, but I think that that second game that we played against Tulsa was like the most uncharacteristic game that we ever played that season. I don't know, Mac, if you remember that very clearly, but I just remember, I remember you were pitching. I remember um, we had like so many errors on defense, balls between legs. I yeah, mean, like just you was, name it. I think that was my only loss of the season, too. That is correct. Yeah. That was your only loss and of the season. Coming, yeah. coming off of your 16-inning, like, amazing win, <laughs> we turn around, <laughs> and we have just, yeah, it was just kind of like a, and I remember feeling bad because, you know, I know it's a team effort, but I was like, oh, crap, Shelby just did, like, 16 innings and was a beast, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Larry, I remember that one. Larry, I was like, Larry, how are we? Larry Nagel, the home plate umpire, and Max did not help the cause either in the second game. That's my opinion on that. I I, I may have gone off on that uh, on social media about that. Well, not that great. Yeah, I 
I will choose no comment. I'll put the fifth on that. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good answer on that. Uh, but I remember that game. <laughs> yeah. But the wild thing is the next day got to play winner-take-all series, and Shelby, your number gets called. <laughs> yep. And you responded with yep, a shutout. I remember. Yeah, I remember. I remember just thinking, please just let it be less than 16 this time. <laughs> um, as long as it's less than 16, I can get through it. And I knew that um, if for whatever reason I couldn't make it through that game, I knew Mac was going to be right there because she's through – I. Given all the circumstances, she still threw a great game the night before. It wasn't like they were, you know, raking her or anything like that. It was ball strike calls, you know, a couple botched plays on defense, and then before you know it, we're down. I don't even know how many runs. Um, so I knew I knew it was going to be fine. I was like, okay, I'm going to start this game. If I need help, Max going to be right there. It'll be fine. And thankfully, I think we put up like a three-run shot in one inning, and so we were up by three runs. Yeah, so Britt. Like, oh, that was Britt. from here. That was Britt, and yeah, she moved into yeah, the cleanup spot that day. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. A big yeah. win, big win, because Tulsa turned out would be the second-best team in the league, and it's not easy to win up there. Uh, so to win two out of three, that was huge from a conference race standpoint. And in a weird way, Mac, though, that was a kind of a blessing. You didn't get that win because had you won that game, you would have broken – the wins record on the road at Tulsa. Instead, you break that record a week later at home against Houston, which allowed your parents to see it in person. Um, and it was a, and what a, and of course you had to break. Of course, typical you had to break two records in one game in that Houston game. <laughs> Bail pitch, three two, swing and a miss, strike three. A win for the ages. UCF defeats Houston, and Mackenzie Otis becomes the all-time winniest. UCF softball pitcher, and she does it in style with a career no-hit number five. Also, a record of no-hitter for Mackenzie Otis. She breaks two records today. The offense just exploded, just crushed Houston pitching, scored 13 runs for you, so you only had to go five. You throw your yes. you throw your fifth career no-hitter, which broke Allison Kimes' record, and the wins record of Allison Kime. That was your 72nd win at the time, so you broke two records. But I want to start with Shelby on that because that dugout, you guys swarmed McKenzie after that last out. So you, you all knew what was at stake from a record standpoint based on that reaction, didn't you? I think so. I think at some point you had probably told us what was going on. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, we – I think a lot of what made that year so much fun is that we made some of, like, the smallest things a big deal. So when that is obviously a very big thing, breaking a record, it was, I mean, over the top. We were just, like, you know, out of control. Um our energy was just off the charts. And so, um, you know, for her to break that record and do it at home was obviously such a big deal. And so we just absolutely swarmed her. <laughs> Mac, what do you remember about that game and that last pitch and out and all the uh, euphoria that it came afterwards? Um, I don't remember the records going into the game. <laughs> but um, I think halfway through, someone told me not about the no hitter, um, or not the no hitter. The um, I think they told me about the win, and so I knew about that. But like I said, I I was pretty. I also didn't want to know, 
Like, I'm the type of person where I just didn't want to know. Don't tell me. Just let me go out there, do my thing. Mm-hmm. And if I break things, cool. If not, <laughs> cool. As long as I <laughs> um, But, yeah, I mean, it was fun because, obviously, when you get swarmed by your teammates and they're, you know, joining in on your um, your success, it, it makes it that much more fun because that's one of the reasons why I picked softball anyways because it's a team sport and I – I loved being a part of a team. And so that was one of the biggest things that I took away, especially from the 2015 team was just, it was like the perfect season for me personally to end on with the senior year, because it was just such a special group of girls. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just, it was awesome to share all those moments with them. And um, sometimes I definitely miss it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I can confirm. Yes, you did not. You were never really big on the record. Every time I did bring up a record that you did, you kind of gave me that look like, all right, what, 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 oh, cool. You were not really like, that excited about it. It was almost, but that day was different though, because once you did, it kind of hit you that you won the wins record and the hitter. I remember in that post game, uh, that one kind of sunk in a little bit more. I remember you talked about Allison and, and you knew about her and you knew what she meant to the program and you knew obviously because your connection because you both had the same personal pitching coach in Casey Clark Zerby. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, you know, that was kind of the, the pattern there. So that that day while, yeah, you know, the records you didn't get caught up, once you knew about that, that one, was that day one of the more special ones because it was the two records in Allison and all that? Yeah, I mean – for sure. I, I loved being able to um, kind of share that with Allison. And then I'm, I'm still very close with my pitching coach, Casey. Um, and so just, just to be able to, in a sense, do that and create a legacy based on what she had just invested in me um, was also really special. And it just, I think it also sunk in and like it, it did make me feel it's hard not to feel proud when you do something like that because I did work really hard and to, to be able to um, break some records from someone who Allison kind, I mean, she's an amazing pitcher. I've seen footage of her and I still think that she, even though I broke the records, I think it's because I had four years to do it and she only had three. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, she's just amazing. So to be able to even like, get up there with her was I guess what sunk in and I was like wow that's that is really cool um because like I said she she was a really really good player yeah she's in the hall of fame now just like both of you will be joining her down the road uh in the future there mm-hmm. at the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame a week later at Memphis you sweep Memphis Mac you pitch the game that clinches the regular season title which was the second straight year that we win the regular season title. What did that mean to clinch it? That I mean, it was going to be a foregone conclusion, but you kind of locked it up really at Memphis there. And I remember you guys had a little fun with the post game about that. Can't really describe how it feels. Like it's, I know, like I won three state championships in high school, but there's no feeling like winning a, like a conference championship. Like knowing you're the best, and and college is definitely more competitive. And it's great to know that being a senior, I've had two conference rings and just um, taking that into like regionals and just keeping it going and making history with this team. It feels incredible to do it this early too and then just get the girls on the right track to try and prepare for postseason. It's incredible. They work so hard. You can see it for the for the past eight months that I've been here. You can see it that they wanted it. They wanted it so bad and to see it finally pay off for them is just it's so nice. What did it mean Mac? You pitched the regular season, the clincher there to win that championship and, 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 you know, winning there at Memphis. 
Um, it was cool, and it was kind of, I guess, sentimental in a sense because I was a senior, and so everything at that point was kind of coming to an end because I, I knew just personally for me I wasn't going to go on and play professionally. And so this was, this was the end for me. And so to be able to, you know, have that game um, was just, like I said, kind of sentimental and a, and a cool moment to, um, in a, I guess, wrap stuff up, kind of. Yeah, that was pretty fun. And then the following weekend, the last weekend of the regular season, we take two out of three from the Bulls. It was senior day. Mac, you got uh, two wins in that series. You got a couple games in there. You won that senior game. For senior day and, and having the opportunity for them to, to get the championship trophy for the regular season and, and knowing how hard they've all worked to to put together this championship and, and to know that they've broken so many different records. You know, this is just a fantastic senior class. We're so proud of every one of them and everything they've done all season long to keep this team together and keep them focused on their goals. Um, I can't be more proud of this team. That was so cool when um, Todd Stansberry, the athletic director, came out and handed it to us. It was just so, like, real at that point. Um, we finally got the trophy, holding up our ones. Like, we did it. I mean, senior year, it, it couldn't be better than this bittersweet um, moment today when we had to walk across being a senior but I wouldn't rather like this is where I want to be with my teammates and with my coaches and just being at this point it's so exciting and um, just ready for that next point in my life but not wanting to let this go so just keeping in this feeling and moving on to the next point of our season. Shelby I'll never forget you wore 24 on your uh, below your eyes right like you kind of mm-hmm. did a tribute tell me about that what made you kind of how did that come about where you kind of paid tribute to Mac on her senior day uh what using wearing number 24 on your uh what was it eyelash was that what it was what was it <laughs> I think it was on my cheek that's right um but uh yeah that weekend um well in you know years past we all kind of you know take to senior that we were the closest to and they were the ones that we showered you know on senior day so whether that was like creating a basket for them or putting something together or getting them their favorite candy or you know whatever it was so I think it was myself and Mackenzie Hume we both wore number 24 and I think there might have been one other person that was with us on that Um, but I think everyone just kind of did what they felt they wanted to do for their senior so yeah, that was a great moment when senior, of course. Uh, then you get to the conference tournament, which we were hosting. We got a bye because back then the regular season champ got a bye. You get to the semis. We're playing South Florida again. Um, but that was a tense game, 1-1. I'll never forget, top of the seventh because we were the bizarre – we were the visiting team, Don't you know, which is a long story why we were the visiting team. But they've since fixed that. <laughs> uh, but Jessica Yovari, who was named American Conference Player of the Year, hit a big two-RBI bloop hit in front of Julie mm-hmm. Weber. Len Yavari drops one in the lob. That will drop it for a hit. Coming in the score is Schroeder. Coming in the score is Goodman. Jessica Yavari showing why she's player of the year. Delivers a two RBI hit. And the Knights lead three to one. Julie Weber gave everything she had on that ball. She dove and was unable to come up with it. And that ball, kind of like the Novak Plabunt single, just dropped an inch away from Weber. Getting bases loaded. Um, everybody loves that situation. I'm just so proud for my teammates. Um, you know, the rally in the dugout was awesome. It was completely amazing. And just the coaches just staying uplifting and on us and knowing that we can do this. And I think I just saw a good pitch and just hit it well. 
Shelby, you got the win in relief in that game to get us to the championship game. But that was an intense game, as it always is with the Bulls. Mac, you know about it. You had success with the Bulls. But that was big to get us to the Tulsa championship game, which, Shelby, you get the start and was dominant one hitter in that game. But, Bolt, you were matching pitch for pitch with Caitlin Sill, and uh, it wasn't decided until literally the last swing of the game. UCF won a 3 nothing game. Mikowski, hits you in the deep left field! won the American Conference Championship for the UCF Knights. The American Championship will stay in the city beautiful. The UCF Knights are your 2015 American Conference Champions. I remember just like crying. There was just like tears in my eyes because we were just so, so incredibly invested in that game and, you know, our teammates' success and stuff like that. And I remember... That year was the year that we took the whole, like, rally, you know, props to, like, another level. We had a drum and just the wackiest stuff that you could think of. There was yeah, that was floaty. There was lays. There was sombreros. I mean, everything that you could think of. Funky glasses. And we just all sprinted out to home plate to congratulate her. And I just remember all of us crying and hugging and just the whole nine yards. Just an exciting time to be able to bring this back to UCF. You know, we started from the very beginning having our goal set to want to win the regular season and, and come back and do a tournament play. We haven't, haven't won a tournament um, championship since 2008. That's seven years. And we had number seven pitching on the mound. You know, seven's been our number all season long. So we're just really excited that this happened. Seventh inning, we get the home run to win the game. How else would you want to play it out? At first, I didn't think it was going over. So I was running as hard as I could. And then everybody started running out. Everybody's making noise. And I was like, it's over. We just won. <laughs> and I started crying. It was crazy. You see it in Sam's eyes. You knew between KK and Sam coming up, you knew that one of the two of them were going to come up with a big hit. Um, you, you just knew that they wanted this game, knew that this was a chance to, to make history for UCF. And, and coming off the bat, man, all you could do is just smile the whole time. It was euphoria. I mean, McClowski with that home run, bottom of the seventh, Mac. Uh, what was that like when that dugout, when she hit that ball out of there in left field in the bottom of the seventh? And you really – because I remember that was a big thing with you all. You were talking about, hey, avenge from the year before when we lost in Houston to Louisville in the conference championship game. And you are like, we're going yeah. to win it this year. We want to be that first team ever to win both the regular season and the tournament in the same year, not to mention yeah. we're hosting the tournament. Take me through that when McClowski hit the home run and really kind of finishing that goal that you all had set out for a year now. I mean, it was just like Shelby said, we just – I don't think any of us could hear each other scream. We were all being so loud and excited, and it was just kind of the perfect ending. You know, it was like I think Shelby said earlier, she couldn't have written the story better than that, and that was true for that game as well. That was just a really exciting moment, and then I'm not really much of a crier myself, but I definitely I definitely remember getting a little bit emotional because <laughs> just – Said it was just a great ending to the season and um, really exciting. And I just remember at different times during that season, remembering that wow, I'm a senior and I want to make this count. And I'm forever grateful for my teammates for helping that be true because it really did. It really was just an awesome season all around. And it wouldn't have happened without, you know, Shelby, Sam, 
the whole team? Well, I think, you know, like it's rare for a mid-major program to have maybe a pitcher that's as good as some of the Power 5 schools had. And, I mean, we had two kids that were every bit, if not better, than what any of the Power 5 programs had at that time. I mean, that's, that's pretty rare. Um, you know, I mean, we had two very good pitchers with Mac and Shelby, and, and they complemented each other so well. I mean, just, um, you know, a little bit different style of pitchers, but just both were just tough as could be in the circle and wanted the ball. Um, you know, and, and it was it was a really a good all-around team. It had a little bit of everything. Um, you know, it had some kids that could hit the ball with power, McCloskey, kids like Novak could get on base and set the table. Um, you know, just a, it was a well-rounded team. It was a great group of kids to be around. Um, you know, it was the, the thing that's still tough to this day is I, I still feel like, and I know we talked about it back at the time, I felt like we deserved a better fate going into the postseason. Um, I thought we had done enough to, you know, earn a, a regional game at home. And you know how it is in, in the NCAAs if, uh, you know, unfortunately it seems like at times they look at where can we get you on a bus to play a game as opposed to what maybe lines up as the best tournament. Um, but that, that was hard. I mean, it really felt like we thought we earned the right to play at home in the regionals. And then, you know, I remember when those throngs came up on the – on the TV, and, you know, you're going to Tallahassee and thinking, wow, I mean, how do we go from playing at home to having to go play at Florida State? But, you know, it was, it was a great season with a great group of kids who really, I mean, worked very hard and, and bought into everything that we tried to do. And, and uh, you know, I, I wish it would end ended a little bit different. Uh, I think that team had the talent and the ability to go to go far, um, you know, farther than, a, you know, a regional final. But, uh you know, it was, it ended up how it did, and, you know, no no regrets at all. I mean, we Shelby and I still talk about that season to this day um, and look back on it with great memories. The only, by the way, Mac, you're in that senior class, the only class to play your last game at home and, and leave with a trophy. Uh, that's not, you know, that's a pretty cool deal to leave, a uh, great legacy to leave off. Of course, we win the tournament, we go on to the NCAA tournament, get kind of screwed out of hosting i'll say that i think we all feel that way committee you know they don't know what they're doing get sent to a tallahassee with a loaded field florida state had super talent team with jessica burrows who shelby you would go on to face ironically enough not only in that regional but in the npf for championships because she was pitching for the pride and jesse warren was a freshman at that time among others just a loaded team south carolina was in that field uh loaded and then obviously dartmouth even with shannon dupking was the head coach who's now at syracuse they're loaded they were a strong team so it was a loaded field got to the regional final uh florida state obviously with home field advantage kind of it kind of got by just a just a hard fought weekend you know it was um Good to be able to have that kind of competition in a regional, and, and I felt like girls did a great job of, of fighting through that and, and doing their very best with coming out ahead, and it just uh, came up a little short. You know, we, we set in 13 years of this program, we, we started um, from the very beginning. We, if you look two years ago, you know, barely over 500, and to see these seniors break in and, and, and set up a, a legacy for us now and give us a, a chance to really, you know, take that next step, and that's what we're working towards. But that really didn't matter. You know, 50 wins. Uh, Mac, you won your last start in that regional. That was at, against South Carolina, I remember. Grounder to second. Novak is there. Will underhand the first in time. And the UCF Knights shake and bake their way into the winner's bracket. 
with a 4-1 victory. Sullivan swings. It's a high fly ball. Deep left field. Back at the wall. Gone! Sia! A solo home run for the senior. Ferris Sullivan has given the Knights a one to nothing lead here in the top of the fourth. That is Sullivan's third home run in an NCAA tournament regional in the last two years. Goodman tapped it up the middle through. Bees hit. Coming in to score is Neswichetti. The throw home, not in time. Roden scores. It's a two RBI single for Goodman. And the Knights are well alive, leading 5-1 to one now here in the fourth. The pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Knights win it. Mackenzie Honest sends UCF to the regional championship. On 5-2, to two, the final. And the Knights set a school record 50th win. That was your last start, and you're, you win uh, on, on, on top of that. And then I remember on the bus ride back, ironically, the bus broke down uh, <laughs> on our way like around, around Claremont, uh, which ironically, Mac, as you remember, in our freshman year, the same thing happened leaving Tallahassee where the bus broke down by a gas station. Yes. And the girls were I playing. Do that. And the girls were playing hacky sack back then in the gas station. And then four years later, here we are, in 2015. We're stopping in Claremont, and while we're waiting for the bus to get fixed, we play hacky sack. And you jumped in on it. Everybody jumped in. It was almost like I don't. I think some of you were actually kind of glad the bus stopped because it meant you all got to spend some time uh, more together, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were a close knit team, so we all enjoyed each other's company. So it wasn't. Even though it was annoying that the bus broke down, I don't remember feeling, you know, super frustrated about it. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Of course, Shelby would go on to be a first-team All-American, first in program history, mm-hmm. ERA champion, .87. Mac, you were second, .95. By the way, the .87 is tied for the school record. Allison uh, in 2007 had a .87. <laughs> Mac, you would be a capital All-American, the first in the history of UCF in any sport, uh, being a capital All-American. Uh, so you both got honored. Uh, finished 1-2 in ERA in the country, which is unheard of for a, the two teammates to finish 1-2, helping UCF finish number one in the country. So a lot of accolades. Shelby won Pitcher of the Year, but I know you didn't do it. I remember, though, the, the thing that jumps out, and we got only one or two more questions, but I remember UCF would put those weird those graphics of both of you in their stats, but then you had, like, these weird things, like weird poses, and, like, you know, the ball was on fire. What do you, what do you, when did you both notice that you both were on that high of a level as far as – the ERA and all that was concerned because they were promoting that. Whether you ignored it or not, they were promoting with some rather interesting graphics there. Um, I, I mean, I remember that picture with the ball on fire because that one was me. <laughs> was, that one's pretty hard to ignore. Yeah, I mean, I knew about our ERA, so and I was very proud of it, and I was proud that you know we were one and two. Um, so I think I knew most of the season. I, I'm trying to remember exactly when I found out, but it wasn't like I was in the dark about it. It's just I also didn't – I didn't really pay attention to it, I guess. So it wasn't like on my mind. But I do still have, I have to say, that picture <laughs> of me with the ball on fire because it's too good not to keep. <laughs> <laughs> that was some great Photoshop. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think Megan Herbov and the graphics people, it was the immediate relations at the time, did that there. Uh, you know, that was pretty cool. Mac, I was surprised when you went over to Megan and tried to get Shelby to have an earned run added so you guys can be, t- you know, be a finisher. No, I'm just kidding. She never did that. She never did that. Nobody did that. <laughs> um, did that. Uh, but that's pretty wild. That may never happen again. And this is the last question for both of you. Uh, you know, 
what do you want people to know when you with people to know about this 2015 team? You've talked about why it was so special throughout this, but just for the people, what's the the, the legacy of this team? Will, will certainly last forever. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you're both going to get inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame at some point. Hopefully, maybe together. Who knows? Uh, but give me starting with you, Shelby. What, what's the legacy you want to tell people when people bring up the 2015 team? What's the thing you you want people to know the most? Well. I just want to point out one thing that I think is really, really important as to why the 2015 team was so amazing is because we were part of one of the worst teams to come through UCF as well. So it wasn't all, I mean, my freshman year, Mackenzie's sophomore year, I would, you know, I would say we both had terrible years. I blocked that out from my memory. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. That was probably one of the worst years for UCF softball. And to turn around two years later and be the best team that UCF ever had, I think that's really what makes that team so incredibly special is because we, you know, that song, uh, I think Drake sings it, Sir, from the bottom, now we hear. I mean, that was our anthem. We played that song on repeat every time we would get on the bus because we knew what it was like to literally be at rock bottom for a team. We were not awful. We had so many problems. I mean, we were terrible my freshman year, Mackenzie's sophomore year. And then turn around two two years later and be, you know, one of the best teams that UCF has ever had. I'm biased, so I'm going to say the best team. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I think that is really why that team was so incredibly special is because they're part of the worst team to ever be at UCF and the best team to be ever be at UCF. Mac, what's your, what's the thing you're going to tell, you know, you're going to tell your, 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 your little boy when he grows up and people that come up to you and talk to you about the 2015 team, what's the biggest thing you want to make sure they know? Um, that's actually really tough. Because there's so many things. I mean, I totally agree with um, the perseverance that we we showed from going from kind of an embarrassing season, especially, honestly, for me, I was kind of embarrassed after having a good freshman year, and I came back the sophomore year, and it was not so pretty. Um, but anyways, I would say, I don't know, I'm huge on, on being a part of the team. And so just lifting each other up, I think that is probably the biggest part of our success other than for that year if you're just focusing on that year itself and not everything that happened to lead up to that year um we were just humble um in the sense that my success was your success like we shared in each other's successes and it wasn't just like the me show for any one person and I think that the majority of the teams that you see um, and any sport that go far is because they have that type of mentality. And they're not just thinking about I, if that makes sense. So I think that would be our legacy. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, the, soft, the UCF teams that have been coming through have been, been doing that as well. Because if they continue to do that and work hard, then... I don't see any reason for them to start, you know, breaking our records that we set. 
no question about it, and uh, build a legacy for the next f- future players to kind of shoot for and uh, s- s- take the program to the next level like, like you two did during your time. Folks, uh, Shelby Turnier, Mackenzie Audis, Shake and Bake, the combo. <laughs> who came up with that nickname, by the way, real quick, before we sign off? Who who came up with that? Um, we don't, Remember still or no? I honestly don't remember which one of us came up with it, or I, I, I don't know. I do remember saying that I would shake them up and then you would bake them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that, too. But I don't – was it you, Elo? Are you sure it wasn't you? No, it was not me. I did not uh, – uh, I found out when, like, people were telling me, like, Coach G, oh, yeah, shake and bake. I'm like, who are you talking about? Oh, Mike, oh, okay. So, no, I, I, it's not I, me. I, I, was you that from, I think we took that from Talladega Night. Weren't they shake and bake or something like that? Yes, 100% we did. Because we did the um, hand motions with it, the little. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we were so, so dumb. <laughs> I don't know when it started, but yes, yeah, I remember something saying she would shake them up and then I would bake them. So. There we go. That's good. We had fun. That you did yes, have we did. fun. We loved fun. A lot of fun and a lot of success and a lot of great memories, uh, ladies. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and no bring problem. back some memories here. We'll hopefully we'll do this in person in the ten year anniversary with more players and uh, in a better circumstances. And uh, maybe who knows that could be right around the good time to get you both inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, as well. So we could kind of <laughs> celebrate multiple things at once since you both like doing both multiple records at once. So that'll be kind of cool. So uh, Shelby and Matt, <laughs> Shelby uh, and Mac, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, thank b- you. Best of, of course, wishes. Of course. Thanks for everything you've done for UCF, and good luck there with your, you know, they're continuing to help the game of softball, too, with your respective businesses you're going to get into and, and lessons you're going to be doing and, and, and helping future softball players reach their high levels like you did. Thank you, Elo. Thank you. It was nice talking to you and kind of taking a trip down memory lane. And we thank uh, Shelby Turnier and Mackenzie Otis for joining us on this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, UCF Rewind. Uh, awesome to chat with them. Great to catch up with both of them and talk about those great years. Let me just put in context the seasons they both had uh, to finish the thought, because we could have gone for hours and talked, but they both have lives. I don't. Uh, so that works out. So Shelby Turnier that year, 2015, to kind of go over some of the numbers uh, to kind of give you a perspective, Shelby went 25-8. and eight on the year with a .87 ERA, was named the American Conference Pitcher of the Year, was named first-team All-American, first UCF softball player to be named NFCA, first-team All-American, first All-American ever in the program history. She was ending up being a top-ten player uh, for finalists for the College Softball uh, Player of the Year. Gives you an idea. She was number one in the country in ERA with a .87, which ties the UCF program record with someone that, as you heard in the interview, she was compared to, uh, as was McKenzie as well, and that's Allison Kime. Allison Kime in 2007, her junior season, also had a .87 ERA on the year, and Shelby tied that mark that year, and that still is the school record. McKenzie Audisfer finished second in the country in ERA. She had a .95 ERA. She went 24-1 and on the year with the only loss, as we heard, you heard in the interview, against Tulsa. Uh, that is the best win percentage 
uh, with that many decisions by any UCF pitcher in program history, with that many decisions, 25 decisions, she had a .95 ERA. She would end up being a Capital One All-American, which uh, was a performance on the field as well as her performance off the field in the classroom. So the two of them uh, honored there. Shelby had 268 strikeouts. McKenzie had 257. The UCF as a staff had a .93 ERA on the year. That's no, It was number one in the country in college softball. And as they both mentioned, though, they had a great defense behind them. They only made 32 errors that year, 979 fielding percentage. That was near the top in the country as well. So they had a top pitching staff and a top defense as they went 50-9, and winning the regular season title, steamrolling through the regular season title. They would go on to win the tournament, as you heard, beating Tulsa in that classic game, one to nothing. Uh Shelby was dominant in that game. It was just absolutely maybe uh, probably her signature game. I mean, you look back at her career, it's that game and probably the FAU regional uh, opener in 2016 in Gainesville where she was matched up against Kylie Hansen and beat her one to nothing, uh, which was only the second UCF pitcher to ever throw a shutout in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Allison Kime threw an eight-inning shutout in the regional final in 2008 against number one ranked Florida. Those are the only two shutouts that a UCF pitcher's had in uh, regional play, and then Shelby did that uh, in 2016. So, uh, But you, you look back at that Tulsa game, uh, which was took, took place May 9th, 2015. That was a game that was nationally televised on ESPN2. Melissa Lee was the play-by-play -play broadcaster for that game. Caleb Bro, the former four-time All-American at Alabama, part of the Alabama National Championship team uh, in 2012. She was the analyst. That was one of her first games ever in the booth. And I'll never forget because I'm doing radio at the time. And, but because TV is doing the tournament, they are in my, in my booth, which is on the right side of the press box, uh, where, depending where you walk in. If you're in the stands, the, my press box is on the left side. And then the visiting press box is on the right side if you're looking, if you're in the stands. So TV, though, is using my booth at that point. So I'm moving into the other side. And I'll never forget Caleb Burrow walking in on Friday while UCF's playing South Florida. And she sat next to me and asked me questions in between innings as she was preparing uh, for that game. It was a cool moment uh, and a lot of pressure for me to make sure I gave her good information <laughs> uh, in that one. But, of course, UCF had that South Florida game that we talked about where UCF was the visiting team because they kind of rotated. They've kind of since then changed that rule, thankfully. Uh, but it was uh, it was a fun game. Whereas the UCF, Jessica Uvar, you heard on the interview, had the big RBI uh, to pull it out and win that game 3-1. to one. And that set the scene for that noon game on Saturday, May 9th against Tulsa. Great crowd, uh, electric for a noon game especially against a Tulsa team that you knew was going to be a team to be reckoned with. And Shelby was tremendous. Pitched a one-hit shutout, five strikeouts, two walks. And I remember I talked to John Barfield, who was the Tulsa head coach at the time, has since moved on to be the Oklahoma State assistant coach. And he admitted to me a, a couple years later, like Shelby was in their head. Tulsa hitters, they just had no answer for her. She just dominated their hitters and really – they had no answers for her. But the credit to Caitlin Sill, she was fantastic. She had only given up six hits on one run in that ball game. Uh, and it was just a, a great pitching game, well-tempoed game. Uh, you know, UCF threatened in the first inning but didn't score. And you just wondered, you know, where was the offense going to come from uh, in that regard? And, and there was a play in the game, and I'm looking this up as we record this, because uh, one of the great defensive plays in program history 
took place uh, late in the game, and I want to say it might have been the top of the seventh. Or it was either the fourth or the seventh inning where the ball is hit to right field, and Willow Callanan dives headfirst and makes a sliding catch near the foul area uh, and really made an, an amazing catch. If she doesn't make that catch, that's a triple because there was nobody behind her. Uh, might have been Horner who hit that. And I think that was in the fourth inning. Uh, Willow, Willows, I'm sure if she listens, she'll remind me. But she makes the great catch, and it was just one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen, and the crowd was just in awe. And I remember Shelby nodded at her. It was a fantastic catch. And so the game, would, both pitchers would throw zeros into the bottom of the seventh. Um, and I'll never forget, in between the innings, the crowd had this kind of anticipation. You could just sense they felt like something was going to happen. And I think in the press box, too, we kind of sensed it, too, because Kalen Sunnell, uh, who, by the way, had a monster year, as I'll get into in a moment, was due to lead off. And then you had Samantha McClowski, the two big power bats in the middle of the lineup, the Smashing Sisters with KK, Samantha, and Jessica Yuvari. Those are the three big power hitters that we had that season there, really, for the most part, that hit in the lineup. And, and you can sense it in the building that there was a sense of, hey, this is our opportunity to win it. KK would end up flying out to right on a 1-1 pitch for the first out. And then McClowski stepped in against Sill, and you heard the call, my call in that game, on a 1-0 pitch. She crushed that ball into left field. And euphoria just takes place as UCF won that game one to nothing. Uh, very fitting because McClowski, if, if you remember, you played if we played in the clip, hit a walk-off home run on the opening weekend tournament to conclude the weekend in a sweep of the opening weekend. She hit the ball off the Palm Beach, and here we are. It would turn out to be our last home game of the season. She ends it with a walk-off home run to left field, maybe arguably the most memorable home run uh, in program history. Uh, a magical moment that nobody will ever forget. Euphoria, they're celebrating on the field. And uh, what a way to win the championship at home. The only UCF team to do that. Uh, it's just a, a magical time uh, and magical moment that day. And and it really was something that nobody that it was in that building will ever forget. And uh, an amazing game, an amazing performance. And when you look at that Matt Klauski home run, I think back to that home run, Tiffany Lane as a freshman in 2008 in Houston, hitting a home run in the top of the six, two-run homer against then All-American Houston pitcher Angel Shamblin. Uh, and a, you know, those are two of the most memorable home runs, probably, arguably, uh, in the history of this program to date. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, and UCF won that game. And, you know, UCF offensively that year hit 292, hit 39 home runs. KK Sanal led the way. Uh, KK, Kalen hit 11 home runs that year to lead the way with 36 RBIs. Um, to put that in perspective, and that was the first time a UCF pl- a hitter hit 10 home runs or more in a season since 2005 when Stephanie Best, who led the NCAA in 2005 with 26 home runs, uh, did it. And Crystal Craft did it. I think she hit 11 that year in 05 as well. That's it. We hadn't had uh, another UCF player hit double digits in home runs until KK did it. Uh, which was unbelievable, and I'll never forget. She hit one against South Florida on the weekend of the senior weekend to win one of those three games. She had a couple home runs, I want to say, that in that series that got her in double digits. So she was a big factor that year. Linnea Goodman led the team in hitting 356, was hitting at the top of the order. It was her and Novak. Kaylee, by the way, hit 341 
at 43 steals, uh, which ties the school record for most steals in a season with Natalie Land. She broke the stolen base career record, as you heard on the, during the interview. She pushed that up to 125. She's a stolen base queen. Maddie Schroeder, as we talked about during the interview, had her best year ever, 321 on the year. Uh, had 12 steals. Jessica Yavari, who would end up winning American Conference Player of the Year that year, hit 314 with seven homers, 38 RBIs. Ferris Sullivan hit 311 with four home runs and 35 RBIs. Brittany Solis had her best offensive season in her career that year. She hit 274 with five homers and 33 RBIs. Uh, was phenomenal. You told you about uh, you know you know Willow. Willow was tremendous defensively that year in right field. Like I said, only made one error that entire year. Willow Callen in at right field. And uh, it was just a team that had a little bit of everything. Had 39 home runs, had 95 steals as a team. Uh, and they had everything. Um, it was just a special group. And just to put it in perspective, uh, the 2015 class, the the class that came in in 2012 with McKenzie, Farah, uh you know, and, and Kaylee and Maddie, they won 161 games. They went 161 and 71 nets uh, in their four years. 69% win percentage, part of three NCAA tournament teams, two conference regular season championships, as well as a conference tournament title, and then the regional final appearances in 2014 and 15. Shelby's class which was the 2013 class that came in, her scene, her class that included, uh, you know, deals there, they won 160 games, one game less than the 15 senior class, 68% uh, win percentage. There's 160 and 74. Uh, they would go on to be obviously three-time NCAA tournament appearances from 14 to 16, three straight regional finals. Uh, as following this 2015 season, UCF would go 38-22 and 22 in Shelby's senior year in 2016, made it to the regional final in Gainesville. I'll never forget Jessica Yavari hitting the walk-off home run against FAU to send us to the regional final. Her twin sister, Jamie Yavari, was magnificent in that game and really got you know, won the game against FAU. It was her best performance as a Knight, and the Knights got to the regional final. Uh, which was a great moment there. But they won 68% of the time. UCF from 2014 to 2016, three straight regional finals, all of them on the road. They were the only – only them and Minnesota were the only two programs to go three straight regional finals back-to-back-to-back to back to back on the road. Minnesota did it, I believe, from 2015 to 17. UCF 14 to 16. They were the only programs to do it in that decade. Amazing accomplishment, and unfortunately, it's, you know, you heard Jeff Conrad towards the end of the, the interview there, a flashback, when I interviewed Jeff Conrad, that was for an In the Circle podcast that I host, it's a softball podcast at In the Circle SB on Fast Pitch News, uh, you can check it out on In the Circle SB Twitter for the cheap plug, but I interviewed him about a couple years ago, and he's now the assistant coach at North Florida, we talked about sort of the, the politics, if you will, because UCF got hosed, they did not get to host uh, that season, as we would find out on Selection Sunday night, unfortunately, they would get sent to Tallahassee, basically ends up being a bus trip, even though the fact that UCF's resume warranted a chance to host. And, you know, I've kind of been studying that for five years because I'm still very bitter about it, as you could tell in my voice, um, and really kind of trying to figure out what happened there. And it was really a lot of combination of politics. They just – that you know Notre Dame that year got to host, and the reason they got to host is because they could bust three teams to South Bend, 
And UCF that year didn't have enough teams to bust. And I think that was a financial uh, decision by the NCAA committee. They'll deny it, but I, I think that's exactly what happened. Uh, because if you look at the resume, UCF certainly had a better resume than Notre Dame. Uh, who lost early in the ACC tournament, I remember that year. James Madison, a team that hosted that year, they lost in the championship at home in the Colonial to Hofstra. And uh, that was just – it was, so it was just kind of crazy uh, to figure all that out and, and figure out why UCF didn't get in. And it was very disappointing um, in that regard because UCF on Selection Sunday, RPI was 15. It was better than Arizona, who hosted that year. They were 16. It was better than Notre Dame, who was at 19, the RPI. So uh, it was a hard pill to swallow. One of the things that hurt UCF was the American that year was down by their standards. The American has been a consistent top six league uh, since its exception in 2014. And unfortunately, this was probably their weakest year as they were ninth. They were rated ninth uh, in the RPI. So that probably didn't help, but still, it's it, it's something UCF can't control. So uh, that was disappointing to find that out and and figure you know one of those years because UCF you know and, and the thing that always bothered me uh, you know some of the outsiders would say well you, did UCF play a tough schedule or not you know that that was always the cop out that the committees would use basically saying I didn't do any research so we'll just go to that excuse uh, we didn't play anybody well that's not true that year UCF played in in Hawaii, all right? They played in Hawaii that year, play, beat Washington in a tournament. They beat Minnesota and Claremont, as we talked about in the episode. They beat Arkansas. They beat Missouri, who was a top-20 team that year uh, in the non-conference. In fact, UCF's non-conference ranking schedule that year in 2015 was 33rd best. 33rd best. That is a strong RPI number. Their overall schedule strength was 56. So despite the fact that the American Conference was down by their standards at ninth, they still had a 56 best schedule. So you can't blame the schedule. The schedule is good enough. Uh, they just got hosed um, that year. UCF won five games against the top 50 that year. Uh, I mentioned Missouri actually was a number nine RPI that we won that game in Claremont. Beat Minnesota's RPI was 15 at the time. Beat Washington, who's at 27 RPI. Shelby mentioned in the interview the win at South Carolina. They were 30 in the RPI, and that's significant. And they beat FAU that year in the regular season in Boca. That was a 37 RPI. That doesn't include wins against Kent State, who was a 51 RPI, and three wins against South Florida, who ended up having an RPI of 55. So imagine if South Florida would have had a better year and they would have ended up in the top 50, that would have pushed UCF even higher on the resume um, in that regard. I mentioned South Carolina because UCF got only got sent to Tallahassee. They got squeezed into being a two seed, which was nuts. Florida State was the one seed. And then South Carolina, who a 30 RPI, if you do the math, that is a two seed ranking. That's a two seed. Well, South Carolina was a three seed in our regional. That tells you how stacked. Uh, that regional in Tallahassee, and I mentioned that in the interview. So that's not that wasn't just sugarcoating. That's a reality. That was a a, a stacked regional. And I'll never forget. I spoke to Lonnie Alameda, the Florida State head coach, after the regional was done, and she admitted like, that's that's an insane regional. And I remember she was very compassionate to Coach Gillespie at UCF because they they knew great teams were going to get knocked out of this. And I remember South Carolina was like, man, we're we're better than you know we all these teams can win regionals. It was really surreal um, to say that to see that. 
Um, and that was the unfortunate thing, as Jeff Conrad alluded to in that uh, at the end there where you heard his voice about how the committee kind of jobbed UCF there. And, you know, uh, that was very unfortunate. But still an amazing year uh, that year in 2015 where UCF goes 50-9. and We mentioned it. It was the first time the program was ranked at the time. They finished ranked 16th in the country. Um, and Shelby mentioned it. Eight of the nine losses by, was by one run or la- one run. The only loss that was by more was the last game of the year uh, against Florida State in the regional final. And uh, that was the end of that. And uh, it was pretty amazing. UCF, as I mentioned, the following year in 2016 would go 38 and 22. They ranked it for most of the year. Shelby had a good year, although she dealt with an injury for most of that year. She was not 100%. Uh, but they still won 38 games. And would have won a third straight American Conference regular season title if it wasn't for the fact they got snowed out at UConn for, and lost two games. And the reason that was significant was South Florida would go on to win the regular season title on win percentage. But if UCF would have gotten those two games in, you can't predict Mother Nature, obviously, but uh, they would have gotten those two games in and beaten UConn, they would have edged out USF uh, based on the tiebreaker because UCF had beaten USF head-to-head two out of three in the regular season in Tampa. Instead, uh, South Florida won the regular season title. UCF finished second. UCF would go on to lose in the conference tournament uh, semis to Tulsa at Tulsa. Tulsa would go on to win the title. UCF would go to Gainesville in the regional final, uh, got to the regional final there. They beat FAU twice uh, before losing to Florida in the regional final there in Gainesville. Florida was the number one overall seed of the NCAA tournament that year in 2016. So uh, that was kind of the end of really the greatest run of UCF softball ever. Uh, You know, as I mentioned, if you go back to 2012 when McKenzie, Farah, uh, Kaylee, and Maddie uh, arrived on campus in 2012 season to Shelby's senior class last year in 2016 – UCF won 199 games. They went 199 and 93, 79% win percentage, making the NCAA tournament four out of five years, winning the American Conference regular season title twice, winning the conference tournament in 2015, and making the regional finals three times. That was an incredible five-year run that I kind of refer to as the shake and bake era. Um, 199 wins. McKenzie and Shelby combined for 158 out of those 199 wins. Unbelievable. That is an incredible uh, percentage uh, deal there. Uh, 199 and and 93. Just one win shy of 200 wins. Uh, Just an amazing number to digest, uh, to say the least. Uh, Just a, a tremendous credit. And actually, that was 79% of those wins that during that time was either McKenzie or Shelby. 199 and 93 was an overall win percentage of 68%. I misspoke earlier on that. Uh, but it was tremendous. It was a tremendous uh, era. Uh, you know, obviously, as you, we look back on those at that time, and they all moved on great things. Shelby, in 2016, would go on to reach a couple more milestones that year. Uh, in her senior year. She would actually end up, we talked in the interview about McKenzie passing Allison Kime for the all-time leader in wins. McKenzie ended up with 78 career wins, but she would hold the record for a year because Shelby in her senior year would surpass her 
breaking the record in the conference quarterfinal in Tulsa against Connecticut in a game where she had a postseason high 13 strikeouts. That was her best in a conf- in a postseason game that she pitched at UCF, winning uh, the game in a 3-2. to two. That was her 79th career win, passing McKenzie. She would have her 80th and final win in that one nothing classic against FAU in the opening game of that regional in Gainesville 2016 and would end up with 80 wins. Shelby is the only pitcher in the history of UCF to have 80 wins and have over 800 strikeouts in her career. She would reach the 800 strikeout uh, mark on her senior day when she pitched at home against East Carolina and she would end up going over 800 strikeouts in her career. Only three UCF pitchers have ever reached that milestone of having over 800 strikeouts. Joining uh, Shelby joining Mackenzie Otis and Allison Kime in that mark. So uh, that was pretty amazing accomplishments. The 3 2 pitch. Swing and a miss. A milestone. The 800th career strikeout for Shelby Turnier comes here in the second inning on senior day. 2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck her out. And Shelby Turnier gets strikeout number 13, and this game is over. UConn put a scare on UCF, and for the second time, UCF wins by one over UConn, 3-2 the final, and the Knights advance to the semifinals tomorrow against the winner of Tulsa and East Carolina. Shelby Turnier with strikeout number 13, and she baked herself a victory and now becomes the all-time Wingiest pitcher in UCF softball history, passing, surpassing her former teammate, Mackenzie Otis, with her 79th career win and a memorable one with a career-high 13 strikeouts in postseason. Uh, other notes from that team before we sign off. Every player from that 2015 starting lineup that I, read, uh, I told you about, Linnea Goodman, Maddie Schroeder, Willow Callanan, Ferris Sullivan, Brittany Solis, Kaylee Novak, KK, uh, and others. They all made all-conference in the American at one point or another in their career. That is the only UCF team that could say that. Pretty impressive. Now, you go back to 2015. Linnea Goodman was first-team all-conference. Kaylee Novak was first-team all-conference. Maddie Schroeder was first-team all-conference. Ferris Sullivan was first-team all-conference. Mackenzie and Shelby were both first-team all-conference. Jessica Yovari was first-team all-conference. That is still a record in the American for most first-teamers by one team. Uh, an impressive uh, number, uh, to say the least. Uh, other notables from that team, uh, Samantha McClowski made first-team all-conference in her senior year in 2016. Uh, Barry Ferris Sullivan ended up being a two-time first-team all-conference, 14 and 15. Uh, KK made second-team all-conference in her senior year in 2016 as well. Uh, deal making that mark. Brittany Solis was a second-team all-conference in 2015 and made it in 2017 as well. Courtney Roten would end up being a, a two-time all-conference p- performer in 16 and 17, all-second-team member. She was off the bench in that 2015 team for the most and started some games late. Megan Greenwell made second-team all-conference in her senior year in 2018. So the, the, the accomplishments up and down this lineup is just unbelievable. Uh, just to give you an idea uh, on that deal. Kaylee Novak would end up being a two-time first-team NFCA All-Region performer, as was Shelby Turnier in 15 and 16. Uh, they were tremendous in their accomplishments there as well. Mackenzie Otis made a region's teams three times, I think, 
uh, in her career. Ferris Sullivan was all region. I mean, they, the accomplishments keeps going and going. Uh, that just kind of stands out. And, you know, Shelby, you know, in 2015 was an NFCA National Pitcher of the Week three times that year, February 17th, March 31st, and April 7th, uh, as we talked about the year that she would have as well. Coach Gillespie, Barrel, and, to- and Coach Patterson, and Conrad would end up being the coaching staff of the year in the American. Uh, and I believe they were the all-region, uh, the region, the South region coaching staff of the year, if I remember correctly. Uh, but incredible accomplishments for them. Uh, part of this, a, a tremendous ball club and historical year uh, for UCF. So uh, that that was kind of some of the stories of 2015. Um, it, just a, a memorable time. And, you know, as I kind of leave you, you know, Kaylee Novak, that year during the season was drafted in the NPF by the Dallas Charge at the time, and they ended up being the, the, the Texas Charge. Uh, you know, she was at the time played two seasons with the Charge. She was selected 16th overall in the 2015 NPF draft. That was the record at the time at UCF for any UCF player to have been drafted in the NPF. Uh, and she would join Stephanie Best and Allison Kime, who both played in the NPF. Allison was a free agent. Steph was drafted, but later, if I recall, in 2005. So that was the record until the following year when Shelby would go 11th in the draft, in the 2016 NPF draft, by the Chicago Bandits. And Shelby would go on as a rookie to lead the Chicago Bandits to an NPF championship as they knocked off the Scrapyard uh, Dogs in the semifinals of the NPF championship series where Shelby outpitched legendary pitcher Monica Abbott. And then in the championship series, they beat the UAAA Pride two games to one. Shelby closed the game out. She was used as a closer, and she shut down the door and got the final out to win the NPF championship. Shelby joining Stephanie Best and Allison Kime as UCF players to have won NPF championships. Uh, Stephanie Best won it in 07 with the Washington Glory, joining Monica Abbott, and then Allison Kime won it in 2009 in her final year in the NPF with the Rockford Thunder with her legendary teammate, one-two punch, Kat Osterman. Um, and so Shelby would go on to play in the NPF up until 2018, her final year in the NPF. She was all NPF performer, her best year rearing down. And as you heard in the interview now, doing uh, obviously doing lessons and running her own company up in the Rosemont area there. McKenzie obviously retired after the 2015 season. And I remember speaking to Aaron Moore, who was the GM of the Chicago Bandits. He was prepared to draft McKenzie in the 2015 draft. Had McKenzie been interested in playing professionally, McKenzie, though, had declined and uh, made sure to let them know so they didn't waste the pick. So that was kind of a little inside story there. Samantha McClowski got a cup of coffee, played in the MPF with the Bandits. I mentioned Novak. She played multiple seasons with the Charge. She would then come back to UCF, eventually be a volunteer coach, uh, and she's been helping out in the community since, been helping out with Stephanie Bess and her company at Pro Swings. Uh, but a legendary career. You look at Hall of Fame credentials, Kaylee Novak, Shelby, McKenzie, Ferris Sullivan, I think even Jessica Yavari all make strong cases to be in the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame at some point in their careers uh, without question. Without question uh, should be uh, able to do that um, at some point. So uh, that's some of the stories of the 2015 team. Uh, obviously, uh, the coaching staff, Jeff Conrad, as I mentioned, was a volunteer. He would end up getting hired at UNF to be an assistant. 
He actually coached with Shelby Shelby for a couple seasons. Shelby uh, coached at UNF for a couple seasons as the pitching coach while she was playing in the NPF uh, as well. And then, obviously, Hillary moved on to be an assistant at FIU and is currently the head coach at Quinnipiac. Uh, and then Coach Gillespie moved on, as, as we know, after the 2018 season to be going back home to be the head coach at Iowa. And uh, so Tiff Jordan's the last one standing. She's still a part of the staff, me and her and uh, Dean Smith, who works runs the board at, uh, in the press box. We're the only survivors left <laughs> from, from that time, um, to say the least. But uh, pretty amazing team, pretty amazing year, a, a year that's lasting memory. There's been a lot of fans that became fans of the program that year that still come to games to, to this date. Uh, and it's just pretty remarkable. So just a, a magical time. And uh, one year, a year that was certainly the greatest UCF softball team to date, uh, without question, uh, set numerous records and uh, will not be forgotten anytime soon. And we'll just kind of leave you with some st- final career stats uh, as we sign off here. And uh, McKenzie and Shelby, Shelby's the all-time leader in wins still, 80 wins to date. McKenzie second with 78. Aaliyah White, 77. Third, currently on the list. We'll see how that continues on that. Mackenzie Otis, uh, 29 shutouts in her career. That's second most. Allison Kime has the record with 34. Shelby had 23 shutouts. Mackenzie Otis is the strikeout queen. She had 975 strikeouts. I mentioned the 800 strikeout club. Otis, 975. Allison Kime, 847. Second all-time. Shelby Turnier, 830. Those are the only three pitchers in UCF softball history to have over 800 strikeouts. Uh, in their career. Uh, just pretty amazing stuff to think about that. McKenzie is still the all-time leader in saves in the UCF softball with 10 saves. Jamie Yovari second with eight. And Aaliyah White also in the mix there. I think she had seven going into 2020 uh, season there. So uh, that that was kind of the, the, the marks, to some of the offensive pitching milestones. And then offensively, Linnea Goodman, very underrated. Third all-time in batting average, 323. Stephanie Best is the record holder at 384. Denali Schapacher, who's currently on the UCF team, second, 333 on the team. Other notables from that ball club, Kaylee Novak, 312 in her career, ninth all-time. Jessica Yavari, 10th at 308 batting average, top 10 in batting average in UCF softball history. RBIs, Ferris Sullivan, third all-time, 136 RBIs. Only Janae Shinhoster, who played from 02 to 05 at 140, was second. Stephanie Best, first at 213, uh, was the note there. Kaylin, uh, KK, by the way, 105 RBIs, was seventh all-time in RBIs. Jessica Yavari in three years, 97 RBIs, eighth all-time. Uh, in RBIs, all-time going in there. Kaylee Novak, as I mentioned, the stolen base queen, 125 stolen bases. Natalie Land second with 102. Megan Greenwell, who was a freshman in the 15 team, would end up finishing fifth all-time after her career was done, 60 stolen bases. Linnea Goodman was is ninth all-time with 44 total bases. Uh, runs scored. Uh, of note, Kaylee Novak, six all-time with 128 runs scored. Stephanie Best holds that record at 216. Linnea Goodman, 118 runs right behind her. Think about that. Novak Goodman, top of the order in 2015. 
Their careers, two legendary careers, Novak and Goodman. Novak, 128, Goodman, 118, sixth and seventh, respectively, in runs scored all time in UCF softball history. Jessica Yavari, second all-time in slugging percentage, 523 for her career. Only Stephanie Best at 756. That's insane. Uh, in the hall, uh, slugging percentage is the record holder. There, Ferris Sullivan, sixth all-time in slugging percentage, 472. Samantha McClowski, of course, seventh all-time in slugging percentage at 463. Uh, there, total bases uh, of note, Ferris Sullivan, 300 total bases, tied for fourth all-time. Brianne Javier, third at 305. Janae Schinhoster, 443. And then Stephanie Best at 562 is the all-time leader. Linnea Goodman. 285 total bases all-time, seventh best in program history. Just some of the notes there. Uh, base hits, Linnea Goodman, fourth all-time, 241. Stephanie Best holds the record at 285. Kaylee Novak right behind her, 217 hits, fifth all-time uh, in UCF softball history. And then Ferris Sullivan, 193, tenth all-time in base hits in her career. Uh so just kind of, you know, just again, just gives you an idea uh, of a perspective. Great players that get on base. Jessica Yavari, fourth all-time in on-base percentage, 401. Uh, Ferris Sullivan, 392 on-base in her career, seventh. Samantha McClowski and Linnea uh, uh, at 385 is ninth. Linnea Goodman, 377, 10th all-time in on-base percentage in her career. Just give you some of those. Those are some stats. Just to give you an idea how good these players in this roster was. Just insane. Uh to think about it. I mentioned Shelby and, and McKenzie's ERA record uh, that, uh, in that uh, year. Uh, Jamie Yavari, by the way, set the career uh, season saves record in 2016 with five. Uh, that's the record there in a single season. Other season records of note, though, uh, involving players from the 2015 team, uh, as I quickly look here, I kind of went through some uh, most of the offensive uh, career numbers and some of the pitching ERA numbers. Uh, was just tremendous, uh, just unbelievable. It's just it goes on and on. I mean, we could go hours uh, breaking down all these numbers and just kind of, and that doesn't really tell you the whole story uh, of really that team and how unbelievable they were and how talented they were uh, that year. And uh, it's a credit to McKenzie and Shelby because they kind of set the tone in the circle, getting along, working well as a compliment. Uh, and really set the tone for everybody else on that team. And uh, it's something that certainly uh, will not be forgotten or, or taken for granted, uh, anybody that follows the program uh, anytime soon. So it was a special time to be the Knight fan at that point and uh, really set the stage for the future Knights in the American Conference. And uh, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So that will do it for this special edition of UCF Rewind. The uh, Black and Gold Banner Red Podcast. Again, thanks again to Shelby Turnier and Mackenzie Otis for joining us. Shake and Bake Combo for joining us on this special edition. We hope you enjoyed this celebration, five-year anniversary celebration of UCF 2015 season, the American Conference regular season champions, tournament champions, the only UCF softball team to do that, win both the regular season and the tournament title, and finish ranked 16th in the country. Uh, only one of two UCF teams to finish ranked in the top 25, the 2020 Knights. 
ended up ranked in the top 25 even in their season uh, as well. So uh, just one of many firsts was set by the 2015 team that will set the standard for future Knights teams uh, looking forward. Keep it here. Uh, UCF underscore Bannerette for all the latest in UCF. We will have more great episodes of UCF Rewind. Uh, coming up, more softball episodes. As we'll celebrate softball here in the month of May with Mayhem, uh, we're going to celebrate the 15-year anniversary, the 2005 UCF softball team in a future episode. Uh, I'll be joined by their broadcaster of the 05 team, and it wasn't me. Uh, so you'll hear that episode. Plus, we'll have interviews on that episode with Casey Feaster, CeCe Alvarez from that team, and then look and have playback some interviews from past uh, uh, interviews from past years with Stephanie Best and as well as Janation Hoster and Lindsey Enders from the 05 team. Stephanie Best, of course, by the way, 2015, that was the year she got inducted to the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame. In fact, she was honored prior in between the doubleheader against South Florida on that Saturday of senior weekend. She was honored. She was the first softball player to be inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame in 2015. Allison Keim would get inducted in 2019, becoming the second player. And I believe a good chunk of this team, led by McKenzie and Shelby and Kaylee and company, they're going to join them at some point in the future. Whenever that is, who knows? Depends on how the rules work. I know McKenzie and Shelby and that class is – they are as, uh, they're eligible if they got the, as early as 2022, 2023, 2025 range. Uh, but it depends on how the Hall of Fame works and do they do it every year. And it's very complicated. And there's a lot of great athletes to compete. But the, the, they will be the, – I, I would be stunned if they don't join uh, Stephanie and Allison uh, in that company uh, down the road. And that, but we honored uh, Stephanie was honored that year uh, during that season. Kind of a kind of a unique there. So we're going to look back in the 05 season in a future episode. We might be doing one on the 2008 team because you know the 05 team was during the A Sun era, the beginning of the program. Th- three gr- big eras in UCF softball. You had the beginning with the A Sun era, with the 05 team concluding that with winning the A-Sun Championship. Then they go to Conference USA. That's where the 08 team comes in, and they talked about the CUSA era, led by Allison Kime, Brianne Javier, and company. And then, of course, this era they were talking about, the American era, led by Shelby and Mack, and continues moving forward uh, with the current gir- girls and, and the Knights team in the American era, or as we like to call the Shake and Bake era. So that's all coming up in future episodes of the UCF Rewind. There's also going to be baseball episodes. You know, we had McKenzie and Shelby here, uh, tremendous aces on the staff. We're going to have Jason Arnold and Justin Pope, two UCF Hall of Fame pitchers, part of the 2001 UCF baseball team that won the regular season and tournament title in the A-Sun. That's going to be on a future episode as well. So that will be fun. Uh, tremendous. That'll be tremendous uh, deal there uh, as far as that was concerned. So that's going to be in a future episode as well as Trey Neal, we're going to have some football ones. We're going to have a recap of the Memphis 2017 American Conference Championship football game with Trey Neal, who made the memorable interception in the victory against Memphis. He will be part of that episode, recapping that game and all the storylines that came with that game. That's all coming up on future episodes of the UCF Rewind. Make sure you check out Black and Gold Banneret for all the latest in UCF with all the podcasts and my articles. You can follow me at Eric Lopez Elo. So, for Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turnier and all the UCF players in 2015, we say we thank you, ladies, uh, for every, all the memories that you provided us. And uh, all the fans, I think, on behalf of the fans, we say thank you for that. And for the audience listening, we hope you've enjoyed this special edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, UCF Rewind. Until next time, Eric Lopez saying so long. 
Go on, charge on, and go Knights.